Yes. Right. Thanks for that disclaimer, Robin. Yes. Don't want to get sued. <laughs> All right. And I, I, I consented to being recorded. So uh, just a little bit about Robin and I, and then uh, we're going to move forward. So it all began while waiting in line for Act One tickets at Radio City Music Hall. In 1990. Go ahead, go ahead, Robin. Tell the story how you thought I didn't like you. Okay, so um, I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not as funny, but we met waiting online for Act One tickets in New York City in 1993. Um, I was about 21 or 22. Um, I ended up standing right behind. Uh, another really amazing friend of mine, Rachel, um, who is also Maury's cousin. And Rachel and I chatted up the day, and halfway through the day, Maury came because Rachel was holding a spot for her. And all I remember is Maury looking at me like, who, what is that? <laughs> However, I, I will I say- I probably did. I can acknowledge it now. I probably yeah, did. She still does this to me. She just looks at me like, what the- <laughs> Anyway, um, but I Love will you. say that, that Maury was the first part. We exchanged numbers that day. We like went to the shows. We had a lot of fun. Um, right before the show, the first person to call me to see if I wanted to link up was Maury. See? <laughs> and we have been friends like ever since. We've had some rocky roads and some ups and downs, but we're still- together as you can see <laughs> and our commitment is to truly you know prince was very important to us and he was a major contributor in our lives as i'm sure as everyone on this zoom feels the same way because that's why you're here our commitment is to just keep his legend alive and the legacy going uh you know there are times when i, I know i miss him terribly like a, i could do it a prince concert to, like it's like a fix but I miss him. But I figured out that, you know, the best way to keep it going is to keep the conversation going. And there are a lot of people who are still here with us, like the awesome Jill Jones, who I am so honored to be on this Zoom with. Uh, thank you, Robin, for reaching out to Jill and uh, making this magic happen. And Jill, thank you so much. So we do have a slide for you. So thank you. everyone ignore the slides in between that I'm skimming through. You don't see that. You don't see that. Nope, you didn't see that. Nope, you didn't see that. You didn't. Nope, you didn't see that. There it is. And now we're at Jill Jones. <laughs> nice. All right, so nice. Jill, welcome. Welcome. So Robin, I'm going to put it over to you. Thank you. Okay. So, um, Jill, well, first we want to we want to play a couple of little interesting games. Um, first, we want to just have everyone go into the chat, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. First, I would like to, well, I'm going to ask the audience first, and then we'll ask you questions, Jill. So okay. we want to know uh, from the participants or the audience here today, what do they know about you? What do they know about Jill Jones? Tell us what you think that you know about her. And then we'll get the real live confirmation in a few minutes. So everyone just get uh, in the chat and just tell us what you know about Jill. She can sing. That's a good yeah. one. Um, let's see. She made some cool sound, cool 60s sounding records in the 2011s. Yes, that's true. She's black. She's sexy. She's old school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she speaks the truth. Yes, this is true. She keeps what keeps it 100. And I love that. <laughs> I really do. Actually, I really love that. Wow, that's, that's nice to hear. I really enjoyed you on the symposium that um, D'Angela had. A few oh, ago. I love that. So much. I was in the chat like, Oh, my gosh, she's amazing. You were so interesting and funny and hilarious. Oh, it was fun. 
Lynn was saying she's hilarious with her commentary on the graffiti <laughs> pitch viewing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, first time I saw it, I'd never seen it. That's also really hilarious. I know. I, I can admit I've only seen it once or twice. Myself. Yeah, I, I know. I get it. <laughs> Jill's um, mom was manager for Tina Marie. Mm -hmm. okay. um, wow. Yes. Uh, she met Prince around 1980 while singing, okay, for, with Tina Marie. Um, mm -hmm. um, she she's super boring. <laughs> Jill's daughter also sings. Wow. That's someone who knows me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Anybody else want to contribute? I Can love I contribute? Brooklyn. I, was, I yes. was holding out, Robin. Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> I miss it. Amazing singer, powerful, beautiful, and authentic in every way. Um, Steve wants, well, okay, so now the next question is, uh, what do you want to know about Jill? So mm. Steve already asked us, is Tina Marie your cousin? No, she wasn't. She was my pretend sister. You know, back in those days, we had pretend sisters. Uh, it, it was just a... Uh, when my mom started managing her, she moved into our house. So once that happened, then um, she was like right next door. I fought with her. I, we used to, like a sister. I mean, it was really a highly competitive household. So when she moved in, always running through the house singing and going and playing on the piano. And they bought her a really beautiful piano. You know, I was like fighting for my own in that house. So, um, and, but it was great because we had a Jack and Jill bedroom. We shared the Jack and Jill bathroom rather. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, we rehearsed the band in our garage. Wow. So yeah, we were pretend sisters. She used to take me to school moaning because I wouldn't go and take the bus. <laughs> uh, she had a blue Vega, which they don't even make that car. I remember this. It was like, and it was like, periwinkle blue so yeah she was like a pretend sister and was included in everything and she included me in all those times going down to venice beach hanging out with her friends mickey and it was really like the sister i never had mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh audience members if there's anything else you want to know uh, okay here's a few more questions coming in um she wants, uh, someone wants to know, does Jill keep in touch with anyone from Prince's camp outside of and aside from these type of events? And if so, who? Oh, I think oh, through the years, I would definitely, I was a little closer with like Gwen Leeds, Alan Leeds. I would see them with people when they'd come to New York. It was kind of easier um, than Apollonia. I'm close to Cat. Uh, online but I love Kat because you know she's just uh, always like the unexpected can go on with Kat and I love that you know so you can have a day and it'll just be completely un unexpected and it's really rare to have friends like that mm -hmm. who bring you something new really pretty much all the time um, I talk to pretty much um Anna Garcia, who was kind of not Anna Fantastic, who's not, she's like one of my BFFs. Mm -hmm. uh, I am at her house a ton, aside from Corona now, I haven't been, but mm -hmm. if that wasn't the case, I would have been there. 
but yeah, I talked to everybody pretty much. Not some of the, not, not some of the, I know I'm forgetting somebody else and they're going to get mad at me, but I do try to like chime in every now and then online is one of the best ways, but people that I've traveled with or really hang hard with, I would say Anna Apollonia, um, Richard Hallmark is one of my really good friends who he was, uh, worked with Prince with design and stuff. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, Andre, Andre and Catherine. And I met Andre since like known him since the eighties, 1980. So it's really, you know, it's, uh, that I hang with them pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see if we have some other questions. Maury, do you want to jump in? Or do you, I don't one of my best go. friends, too. Yes, yeah, so. so. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Okay, I'll, we can entertain Damon for a minute. Yeah. So Damon asked a question, and I did see another question, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be answered later on. Yeah. Uh, what Prince song did you want to record but weren't able to because uh, Prince kept it for himself or he gave it to someone else? Um, I liked Eternity a lot, and he gave it to Sheena Easton. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sugar Walls, I thought was mine, but all of, and probably because they were stuff we were working on mm. for my record. And then he just gave it away. So I think, and, and the voices were very kind of similar models that, you know, but I kind of started to feel like, um, I don't know, I, I started to see that he, he needed to create new revenue streams um, as his company was growing, because there were a lot of uh, moving parts happening while all of us were trying to do things. I think that um, so he needed to create different revenue streams outside of Warner Brothers. And these songs, he was on a roll and they were really good. Did he want to like give it to somebody who already had something established or did he want to have to rebuild and then be nice with Warner Brothers? Because typically Warner Brothers there was always a little bit of, there were caveats when he would be trying to break a new artist or do something where they wanted to leverage him somehow. So that's if people really want to know what was kind of happening in managing, he had great talent around him, but, but within that, it made him a little bit vulnerable to the corporatocracy yeah, of the, the record business. Yeah. The bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. So look, Joe, let's pause for a second because we really, we, we, we promise and we, and I know I'm definitely interested in, so is Robin. We want to hear about you. We're going to okay. get to Prince in a second. So okay. could you take us back to before you met Prince? Okay. Right. So you're, you, I, I know you, um, you were at the high school for the arts in LA. No, right? I went to Beverly Hills high school. You, oh, you went to Beverly Hills high school. Okay. And but even before that, I was in Ohio. And okay. um, so th- that's where I kind of, you know, feel like my roots kind of really always will be because th- those were the days when I uh, used to imagine leaving Ohio <laughs> and going out and making it. And uh, although I got torn at one point because I wanted to be an attorney, um, but then I got into the music world when my mom you know, met all these Gordy people and she brought me from Ohio. And then I went to uh, Beverly Hills High School. I was in the music program heavily. We did a lot of theater. So, and as I'd mentioned with Tina living at home, and as most of you know, who have siblings, 
when there's that going on in your house and someone's so great as Tina, you try to find your own little niche. So for me, I was like convinced I was going to go to start going into, um, I don't know, go to RADA or something like that, go into theater because I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I can't compete with this. So, but slowly has, as it changed where she started in corp, Tina started incorporating me in her band and with some of her writing, then I started getting led down the road. And then one thing led to the other. And that's when I met Prince. And then from the days of working with Prince, you know, it went on and off and it tagged along for probably, I left in 93. So from 80 to 93, we were, you know, had this very bizarre friendship. Then it took me a minute to figure out who the hell I was, what I wanted to do. I got re-signed with London Records, gave up the deal when my mother, it's funny how life is because sometimes you feel like you're really, like your dreams or your integrity, like your dreams or what you have, what you really have to honor. And because I've had a really very bizarre relationship with my mother because she was like a workaholic and all these things and she was definitely ambitious it was really everything is karmic i believe because i walked away from the band a little bit to take care of her because she was terminally ill and then things just happened i had you know i was in a marriage i had a divorce it was like i lost the deal everything like all three in a row like boom 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 So then there was a big transition period. It took me a long time to figure out like, who am I dealing with music, trying to do it. It was really awkward for a a long time. I even remember lying to one of the guys from the Wu-Tang Clan that I wasn't Jill Jones because I was bartending. I mean, it was like I had to take a step back and it was really quite humbling and very difficult. And I refused to call Prince. I was like, I will never call him. You know, I was never going to, that, it was just crazy. Yeah, so you, then, hmm? no, I was going to say, you know, like losing your mom and, yeah. uh, you it know, redefining you a whole, like, oh, a whole different space. I, yeah. I, I completely get that journey. Yeah. So talk to us about your perseverance. Cause I experienced you as a very, um, you're very strong and you're very willed. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed your conversations um, about Prince since he's passed mm-hmm. on. Like you do, and it was mentioned in the chat, your candidness, your honesty. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, as a friend, I can tell loyalty means a lot to you. Yes. Um, and it comes across in your communication of, 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 you know, even though I don't know what your relationship was like with Prince at his passing, but you, like you stand true to what he meant to you. So can you talk to us about your perseverance? Because there are people watching right now who are, you know, they think that, you know, it's, it's Jill Jones, it's glamorous, it's whatever. But life right. lights, and you seem to be someone who has been resilient in that yeah. path, in that pursuit. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and who you are and how you show up for yourself? I think I show up. Hmm. I've never really thought about how I've shown up for myself. I think I've just go on autopilot and had to almost learn things backwards in a weird way because um, and then learning how to care for other people and to bury old hatchets. And at the end of the day, even when I thought I could hold a grudge for a really long time, I really discovered I'm quite forgiving and I'm very compassionate. And at the end of it all, I'm also quite accepting that 
sometimes you may not be the winner in the race, but you just your participation alone was what made the race the race. Like you had to be there. I don't always have, you don't, a person, you don't always have to see yourself as the main focus in everything. The fact that you're there and that you, you do show up to facilitate whatever energy is happening. It's all about the energy. But then when it came down to learning the sacrifices of success and sometimes having to sacrifice, you need to know what you're going to sacrifice. And you need to, it needs to be a very clear decision. I will sacrifice family to have X, Y, and Z. I will sacrifice, you know, my playtime to have saved this money. You have to be very honest because if you're not, you're just all over the place, just roaming around. So I think maybe that I've shown up because I do bounce back. I mean, I'm year of the tiger. That's clear. We do jump up. They say the tiger is just like, okay, well, I'm back up. Uh, So maybe that was it. And just to keep going. No, that's and clear. And to find I, new interests because I, after all of that, I went into, I discovered interior design. I moved into that for a while and then I moved into advertising. And I think that I probably wouldn't have understood that and started to understand people and their passions and what they, other people give into the world to make it work. I think working in the Prince bubble, it could be, you know, all a little bubble of like, oh, it's all about me and I got to make this work. And, and I really am a team player. I believe you need people to make your wheels turn. And everybody, I'm more of a team, team girl. So outside of Prince, who's been your champion, Jill? Hmm. I'd say I have a few girlfriends who, awesome. who really, um, I had a great girlfriend. Uh, I have one who still, she, is in New Zealand now, Shauna, my friend Moni, um, even my girlfriend Johanna, who the other ones don't really care for her. But, you know, you always, sometimes you always have a friend that not all your other friends like, and there's really different dynamics and things. But I think it's important to have those. But at different points, people showed up in my life to teach me, and I was kind of willing to learn from them. They showed me a lot. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So I want to get to Lucy's question. Hey, Luciana. Happy belated birthday. I know it was the fourth. <laughs> uh, Luciana wants to know. And Jill, your birthday's coming up soon too, right? Yes, Saturday the 11th. All right. Well, happy birthday, Jill. Ooh, thank you. Um, so Lucy wants to know, what's the best life skill Prince taught you? Not work-related, but human skill. Hmm. Probably... I don't know. I mean, I really think there were so many lessons. Uh, He could get a little preachy about things like you don't know how to save your money and you need to be reliance, maybe Mm self-reliance. But, but when he was trying to teach it, it wasn't really working. It only happened later because life just happened. And, and his, it was in my head, you know, 
because we had always had a little bit of like push and pull. Like when I last saw him before he passed away and I was talking about, oh my God, all these women. Now I said, Anna's my friend, Apollonia. And I was going on and on. I said, we, we've kept in touch through the year. Susan Moonsey is, you know, he's like, oh, so now you're okay with it? Because like <laughs> then I wasn't. <laughs> She's like, oh, so now you're, I just couldn't believe he even went there. Like he He totally like, (laughs) I hadn't seen him in like, I don't know, 20 years. He's like, oh, so now you're okay with it? If I fell out of like, okay, that that I have to, I have to step in and ask a question. Cause one of the questions that I had for you, I sort of altered it to clean it up a little bit, but I have always wondered, I'm going to tell it the way it was originally kind of written. One of the things I've always wondered is like, how did all of the women who were around keep from killing each other or killing him? Because you all are there. You all have some awareness that there are relationships happening to varying Mm -hmm. degrees. Sometimes you have to work with each other. How did you manage that? Especially being so young, like, was there rivalry? Were there like, how did you do that? (laughs) I mean, there was rivalry. Mm hmm. And I can't, I can't say that it didn't really play a big part in maybe Vanity's decision leaving ultimately because the stress of that alone, like my mother was not happy when I went off and did the Prince thing, but she was like, okay, whatever. But she used to call and go, the things you girls are going through, women in their forties haven't gone through it. You know, it was like, I was like, oh, really? You know, because we were all on one bus. We were all traveling on a tour bus together. And, you know, you're, you know, it was like. um, Did he ever go missing? And you were like, oh, where where is he? Who is he with? Exactly. Because if all four of us were all sitting up there looking at each other was like, well, who the hell is he with tonight then? Hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. And it really just. I mean, if he wanted to have a harem, it would have been, you know, he just should have made sure we all could live in the same lifestyle style as each one. And I think he damn near tried to have one. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It was difficult. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. But I have to say that that was a huge lesson about doing the show, being getting it done. Wow. Talk about you know, staying and then getting off stage, like, you know, it was because you're on payroll. Oh, this is happening. This is your job. It was my job. And what was crazy with the vanity six thing is that I was on their payroll, not his. So that took some balls because they didn't pick me. He did. So when you think about that, it's like, Whoa, I was on their payroll. So there was, they had every right, especially Vanity, to be like, are you kidding me? So that was, that was interesting. That's a deep dive into, I don't know where he went. For, you know. Well, you can sing. I mean, that, okay. Oh, yeah. that came out wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so, no, but you can sing. Like, you can yeah. sing, sing. Right. They, yeah. they and, and I think that someone who could sing to carry True. that. Yeah. And I'm sure he had that conversation with them. But when it was all figured out what was going on and you're all out shopping and you start going, well, are you dating him too? And then the other one is like, well, yeah, we broke up, but we're kind of, you know, so that was a little bit like, oh, okay. So it was interesting. It's definitely tense. 
Do you think that situation changed as he got older or do you think that was still kind of the case? I think he got better at it. I mean, because he had <laughs> no, to have gotten better at it because, but this time I don't know if he put everybody in the same band, but he might've, he might've, because if it worked once, why, why not? The trend is there. So, uh, so yeah. the first part of the presentation initially is about his, his really. prototyping of women. Yeah. I would love to hear your opinion of it um, mm -hmm. because it's, it's there. Um, you know, he definitely had it, you know, he, he was very much so interested in, you know, bringing together a great image, but also very much so interested in talent. And I think you're one of those unsung heroes at the, at the start, Jill, where mm -hmm. you were backing, you backed the Vanity Six, you backed him, you backed, did you back the time? Did you ever, you, you did some work Sometimes, time well. but on the tour I did, I'd fill in uh, on a couple songs. Yeah. Right. So you were like the voice, you know, you were the, you were like, a lot of the times Robin and I talk about like the, the, the intro, like the intermittent speaking parts yeah. of like the top album, you know, that's you, you know, yeah, there are some girls that I don't think they can track down cause they don't know who they are anymore. But, um, on a few, just because, you know, he was the type to call in if there was a secretary or your, someone's grandma was there, can I use your voice? Can you come in? You know, he really was about that kind of spontaneity. That's true. So Enza once uh, she's asking, uh, Jill, the song, She's Always In My Hair, was written about you. Did Prince uh -huh. himself tell you he wrote it for you? Can you talk to us about what you know, what you remember about him writing uh -huh. it for you? I love the song because he knows you were and would always be there for him no matter what. How special. Thanks, Edna. Yeah. Uh, he wrote that because we had, um, he was staying at a house out here, renting a house that I founded. It was uh, Sylvie Vartan, a French actress. It used to be one of her houses. So we were staying there for a while. And then I think he got really annoyed because I left some orange juice on the counter and some peanut butter. And he was just started to, you know what? He didn't have his freedom. He just wanted me to like, okay, no, all right, now you need to go. And, um, and I was like, Oh really? So we had an argument about that. And, uh, then I was really mad and I moved into La Park hotel and it was a whole thing. So to make up with me, he came and he brought me this song on a cassette. And I listened to it. And then I was like, the part where it said, maybe I'll marry her, maybe I won't. And then I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe. I was, I, I was really hung up on just the word maybe. How dare and, you? Uh, yeah, how dare you? And um, I remember I threw the cassette at him. And uh, I had an issue with maybe. I said, women decide who is going to marry. I said, women make the decision before the man knows. And I was like really using some old school stuff my mom had said. You know, like, well, the woman always determines if you're in a serious relationship. If you're serious and how it goes, you will leave before you let it drag on. Oh, just some, you know, stuff your grandma tells you. So I did that to him. But that was the song for me. And then I went and, you know, uh, kind of messed up the house and threw, you know, the paintings off the wall and stuff. I had a really bad temper tantrum. And then I don't know who called. Oh, I called his studio when he was at the studio. I said, well, enjoy the house. I cleared out my stuff today, whatever. Jesse was there. Jesse Johnson was recording with him. And so he knows the other side of the story when they got in the car to drive back to the house. 
And Jesse has told a story where he said, now, you know, Jill ain't a white girl. That's one thing I do know that he said he said to Prince on the way in the car going to the house from the studio. You know, Jill ain't no white girl. So who knows what the house is going to look like? You know, something like that. So it was really funny. Yeah, that song, every time I hear it, I'm always like, wow. But he loved and respected you because he brought you back many years. Like You kept the relationship going for many yeah, years. You made it he, to the free bridge. That's amazing. Yeah, sucker for punishment, both of us. I don't know, but yeah, it's funny. But I mean, that is a damn good song, though. <laughs> it is. I actually, it's true. It, it was really song. good. I remember, I still remember the first time I heard that as a teenager. I was like, this is amazing. Like, it, it's still one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I understand how you would feel about it now that you've explained like, it, but I've always thought it's like a classic, amazing song. Yeah. Like, he wrote for you. <laughs> but yeah, I and it was just so easy for him to always do stuff like that. So you couldn't always let him off the hook so easily. So with us, I mean, I'm sure he got tired of the drama, but you had to be willing to risk him. He had to, you know, know that he could risk you walking out forever or him walking out. You had to do it. Otherwise, you know, but weeks could go by, years, and he'd call people. Even there's other women I've met along since he's passed now because, you know, he had like this parallel life going on too. Many of these women, he would like talk to them once a year, drop in, go see them. It was amazingly wild. Wow. Take them roller skating. One day a year. Until they, and then when they started having children, I don't know how engaged he was, but that was, yeah, pretty interesting. That is interesting. Prince never fails. Yeah. <laughs> On the interest. I know. Yeah, I know. Fascinating. Those stories are, are interesting. And the bodyguards yeah, know those stories. They, they know who was flown in, who went out, who, they know all of it. They won't tell. Yeah, they've, they've, they've been pretty quiet about it. Some people have run to and just made books and all kinds of stuff, and other folks have been really tight-lipped about it. What do you attribute to the, the dynamic between that? I don't know. Just people, I think that peopling? I also think that there's not, because of the way it is today, that social media doesn't lend itself for if people think they're going to make a lot of money off of telling the stories. I don't think that's what's happening. And I hope that people who do want to write something or tell their story, just do it because they want to keep the narrative straight and clean. Because I think the most fascinating thing will be like long after all of us are gone will be to put all of those things together and you will actually see the composite of his life because it's the only way because it's like what the left hand didn't know the right hand was doing, you know, this hand got married and this one didn't, you know? So it's like, or this one said, yeah, you're a star. And this one went, eh, I don't really like her. So those kind of contradictions of who he was or how he got what he wanted with people are important to know. It doesn't mean that it was true. That's the interesting thing. So if he, you know, it's like, I know, and I, I've heard other friends or people in it who will say, well, he said this about X, Y, and Z. He didn't say this. And I'm, I'm not disputing. He may have told somebody you're the bee's knees, but I can't discount what he told me. So you put it all together and 
I don't know, what do we make of it? So that's the hardest part of it all is to understand what his true feelings were about anybody or anything, because it always seemed like music was the master and getting it done. And that was the love for me, for him. Yeah, I would say his most honest song was guitar. Yep. You know, I think absolutely. <laughs> I, love, I love this guitar. Like, I really, I really believe like that is the most honest song Prince ever mm -hmm. wrote. Yeah. Um, and then for everything else, it just seems, but in a way, it's the truth because he lived it that way, right? True. It was his truth, right? It so was. not necessarily that you would want to hear what he has to say because you would want to hear that kind of love coming your way. Right. But I think whatever, whatever the it was or whatever the occurrence was when you were with him, that's the truth. That was the truth. And you're right, because it's like the man who loved women. It was, that's, it was a Truffaut movie, which is one of my favorites. Um, mm -hmm. He's very much like that. And, you know, there was nothing, whoever inspired you or whoever. And I think maybe that's why people were attracted to him, because it looked like he just followed his own bliss, regardless of what was traditional, not traditional. And everybody sort of longed to, to be like that and could vicariously live through that. Um, but you're right, I think it was true when it was true. It didn't take anything away. It doesn't take anything away. Uh, and I think it's maybe listening more to what he didn't say as much as what, I mean, he didn't say much. So it was really just watching all the activity around him. Around him. Yeah, because I mean, our lives are representative, are representative of who we are. Mm -hmm. So like that's probably as close as you're going to get to understanding who the true essence of Prince is. True, so I, Damon, I, I, Damon suggested you can write one hell of a book, Jill. It would be funny. That's for sure. I've thought about it and I've tried and I've had people working with me, but I don't know. I guess it'll get done when it gets done. Um, because I think now the way the world is today, I think it's important to address where he fits in and where it could be helpful for what we're going through today. Some of the lessons that we went through or, or what's still in existence. Or was he a feminist? Was he not a feminist? Was he exploitative? Was he not? Those are big, bigger questions for me that I think I would hate to see him get me too because of just some regular mm -hmm. BS. I think it, it's important to put the context behind a lot of things that's why i think people should engage a little more about where the creations come from i don't think he was ever hurtful maliciously i think he gave a lot of black women a big big opportunity and a great platform to be seen in a way that pop music wasn't offering us you know i agree very much so mm -hmm. very much so you know, I, I hope you, I hope you uh, stick with that because I do think your voice is very important in terms of, you know, so you, you're someone who interacted with this now legend, but then the things about you that I think that are unheard and unsung, like you deserve right. an episode of, let me show unsung. Yeah. <laughs> Tina you would be a great, one. you would be a great person for unsung um, wow. yeah, because you are show. part like there's um, there are songs that are in the history of our minds that we just love as as a generation Xer. Yeah. Like wow, she's really integral to to putting voice to this and not necessarily always known. And that's why it was really important to get you on here right. um, for our first episode and and tributing women 
uh, Robin and I really talked yeah. extensively about why, you know, why start with women? And I think Prince himself, everything from, you know, the Gemini and the two sides sure, to sure. the androgyny to using women's voices in ranges that he could not himself capture. Yes, exactly. Right? And jumping yep. into that, it was really important to have someone like you on, on board with us. And thank you so much again, because your voice is is a is 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 him in female form yeah which is part of the presentation right so it's like you you're you're uh really key to you know because i think also in the the male female dynamic he will get all this all, all the accolades as a man and the women who True. um championed him from behind really won't be always seen because oh they're backing vocals and so forth but they're the ones who actually bring the harmonies and, and bring the space that creates the music. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really hope you do, you do jump and say, I'm going to write the book because it's, it's worthy to be heard. I would love to hear that story. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I, I just have to get the, I have to do it and finish, you know, and put it in context. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, we're getting older, so it's getting harder to, you know, it's something I think everybody needs to focus and try to keep the narrative straight. I love it. I love it. So, Joe, uh, we're going to jump into... Wait, I wanted to just Oh, say, yeah, you want to have a question? I'll jump into the poll of what did Joe I mean, Jones say? To me, when I think back to, when, to my teenage years and um, just being a young Baby Prince fan, it's like the women were just as important to me mm. as the men. In fact... I actually had the Vanity Six record before oh, wow. I had any Prince records because <laughs> a great I record. love that record. And my mom would be like, I don't know if you should be listening to this, but I loved it. And yes. I specifically great remember record. there was a time period when I would come home from school and I would play the Jill Jones record about a hundred times on full oh blast when my mom got home from work. <laughs> And the family, both those albums, I just listened to consistently oh. over and over again because they were out around the same time period. Yeah, those were so so integral to like forming me as a cute little human. Wow, seeing, like, you know, girl, I'm doing a piece on Wendy and Lisa too. Like just seeing women like in the forefront in ways that, like you said, you don't really you don't really see. Like no, you know, didn't. So I, so I was you guys meant everything to me. And that uh, is also one of the reasons why our first episode is dedicated to women. And I'm, I swear, That's I don't have my record anymore, but I literally did listen to it every single day for probably. A that was a bonding years. point for Robin and I, that was a bonding really? point for us because yeah. my cousin, Rachel, who she mentioned earlier, yes. Rachel, was, Rachel is strict Prince. Like, like if yeah. you're not, oh, if you're not God. Prince, I don't hear it. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Poor Rachel. We love Rachel, but but it's it's the truth. It's a brutal truth about Rachel. And Robin and I like bonded. Like I didn't. I I used to make like cassettes of your album. Like you have to listen oh to this. Oh my God! Really? I was, oh yeah, big time. Are you really? kidding me? That Joe Jones album is. That's actually. I was thinking about this, and I'm about to debate in my head: Is it Madhouse Ten or your album? Is my favorite. Yeah, Madhouse was really good. He was in a really cool, like that really zone good was space. amazing. That zone was a nice one. Yeah, it really was. It, it really was. was. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, that was Robin and I, I'm like, oh, I have somebody to talk to about this <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it, it was a different time. We didn't have Zoom and the internet and all no. this stuff to, to like find other people. And I remember D'Angela talking to you. I don't know if D'Angela made it on. I know she had registered, 
but she was talking to you and I was like, God, she sounds just like me, you know? And it's so exciting to connect with people. I mean, do you realize how impactful the Jill Jones record released in 87? Um, No, no, because we were really disappointed with the sales and, you know, and he was struggling with Warner to promote it. And he was just like going, what, how do I, and I remembered MTV was like, well, we'll play it. But then it got banned because of Tipper Gore, which is starting craziness. And I can't believe I even vote Democrat and that cow like did what she did. But um, Tipper Gore. Yeah, can you believe it? The talk Compared about to confusion. what's out there now? Yeah, exactly. Not. not much. And so then he was just, and then they wanted him to do, if he would do a show for MTV, then they would play his artists more. That kind of stuff was happening more. And I think he really realized his exposure to making himself his company really successful was going to make him more complicit to more bureaucracy or more stuff that he was not ready for. And I think maybe that's why he pulled the brakes on, on Paisley because moving it forward without a team, without your own, really with a lot of money, it was going to be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I mean the impact, I remember being at first Avenue for the revolution show after he had passed away and quest love mm. DJ, he played mm-hmm. Violet Blue. I almost lost my ish. Yeah. What? To hear wow. Violet Blue in a club? It was like, I have died and gone to heaven. This is amazing. I you know? know. He's so funny. Quest yeah. Quest love is, but Quest love is one of those fans, right? He'll, yeah, he'll, he he'll play for love. He'll do yeah. that. And it, that, that's what makes it, you know, um, you know, we have a, we have a collection of Prince's music and I had given it to her, shared it with a friend of mine. And when he heard it, he came back to me. He said, apparently I'm a very light lavender compared to what's on this. I don't even know. How oh God. Wow. Really? Yeah, we have a drop box with like a thousand something songs. Mm-hmm. I know there's more out there. I'm looking at you, Damon. Hit me up. Damon, you got, <laughs> so we want to, uh, so, so Jill, we're going to put a poll up. We had, we okay. had, we were playing a game called what did Jill Jones say? Uh, we also have some awesome panelists who are on Damon Cox, Jay Smooth, uh, Steve Marshall and Dr. Raz, Dr. Wow. Cat, love cat. Uh, you're welcome to also join in the conversation and keep the questions coming on the chat. So I'm going to, I'm going to launch the poll. Oh, wait a minute. It's telling me my poll is inactive. No. Why does technology do this? This is the educator ex- experience. It's Mercury's in retrograde. Uh, communication is down. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Yeah, we're still getting some really great questions. Robin, well, keep the questions going. At least I can get the poll up. Okay, so um, I saw a couple of uh, questions. One, I think, is from, let's see, da 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 Oh, wait, I think there was one from Enza. Um, she was asking about the automatic album, uh, song, the video. Um, mm-hmm. She wanted to just know, oh, yeah, can you talk about the, the automatic video? God, we love that video and song. <laughs> so I wanted to know your, your re- memories about that. <laughs> what was that like filming that? And just anything you can talk about about it. Um, eh, you know, when you're really young, you're very experimental in things. You, you try all sorts of stuff. So I think that was kind of a 
a more of a reality put into a situation, kind of edgy situation, uh, the bondage, that kind of stuff. I think uh, he also he was doing the 1999 video. I think we were all in Florida or wherever we were filming, or was that Cor Little Red Corvette was done in Florida, but it was just a couple of back-to-back -back days. He didn't, he had storyboards, didn't want to use them, just wanted to do, you know, performance style with a little bit of that in it. So yeah, that was a, that was just a crazy day. I mean, I remember the crew just drooling at me and Lisa you know, doing all this and <laughs> kind of like and spinning the bed was a really funny one. And Lisa had that cigarette burning and we're like trying to spin it. And they were long takes, you know, it wasn't like we edited and stopped. And then we had, were walking across and, you know, it was just uh, crazy to think that, I mean, we pretty much got that done really quick. The most time that was spent was really on his close-ups and things like that or, <laughs> You know, but really for us, it was like a long shot and planning out, you're going to walk across the stage and then you're going to like spin me around. And then when we tied his, I think I'm tying him back this way. There's a moment where it looks like he giggles. Yes, because he couldn't get it off. He was like, he really had a hard time because after the take, he was like, boy, you, what, you didn't use a slip knot at all. It was like, I tied him and he couldn't really get off. I said, well, you wanted it to look real. And the guys are filming with the camera. It was really funny because he, he was like going, God, Jill. I mean, it was like, he would have had to take the whole thing off. It was like, he said he was struggling to get it off and make the next move that he wanted to do. It's funny. That's hilarious. Um, okay, here's another one. Um, it's from Naomi. She says, oh, uh, someone pointed out that your album jacket photo isn't sexy like the other girls, but she says that makes you an independent woman and strong. She said, was it your choice of clothes or did Prince choose those clothes for you for your album cover? No, I was with the photographer, Isabel Snyder. We were in New York near the public library. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple streets over and then we got I was walking my dog and she had her German friends and she's just started taking pictures outside and then we did the beauty shots on another day and those are the inner sleeve stuff and they were fine but for some reason it was really Warner Brothers the girls the women yet again it was the women in the art department preferred that they thought it looked strong and they liked the whole great thing. And the, the, those were all thrift clothes that I was wearing. So it was really interesting. It was the first time. I mean, um, it's the woman who always did his stuff. Uh, Laura, Laura de Puma, Laura, whatever. I think oh, that yeah. she was the oh. head of the art department. She picked it. Is that Tommy Lisson's daughter? I don't know. It was Laura, somebody, but uh -huh. she was the one running it. And she made, she went to him, her group of girls. Cause I remember they put like a little yellow thing on the, on the contact sheets that you had mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. And he agreed. He said, yeah, because I guess they were seeing a trend of something changing. And I don't know what it was. It was just also my beauty shots were more, closed up 
you know, I wasn't really comfortable with deep cut things. My stylist, I was a lot more conservative. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I'd only been walking around in my underwear for like a, a while. But yeah, I don't know what happened. It was just a big change once I moved to New York. New York changed me a lot. Mm-hmm. It changed and then flying, all, seeing fashion and different people and going downtown changed me. It was really hard to go back to Minneapolis. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's any more, any more questions in the chat. Maury, how is the poll looking? So I'm, I'm not getting to, I'm not seeing to launch it. Could the other, could the other co-hosts see if perhaps you can launch the poll? If not, we can just get into the questions and we can use it in the chat. Could we have Jill's answers? Um, okay. Is it this number two? How do you, I have no idea. I'm yeah, not sure as savvy as you are. I know. I don't know. It launched earlier. I'm not sure. Well, let's go into the questions. We're not going to hold it up for that. For tech purposes. Okay. <laughs> All right. You got the educator jinx on you. So sorry. <laughs> My running joke is the minute I became an educator, technology feels ceases to work the minute really? you're in front of a class. That's okay. I can see the poll. You oh. can? Yep. Thanks, well, Tracy. Questions, but... Is it the right questions? I don't see like, a place to... Is it for my finance class? Is it the right questions? I, it's the right questions, but I don't know a way to um, answer them. I don't see a way to oh, I see. Yeah. answer. That's weird. So, Tracy, you're seeing the questions, but not the... Um... Exactly, yeah. There's no way to respond. Okay. All right. So, you see the questions, though. <laughs> so, let's, let's, let's just jump. <laughs> it's okay. It's been like that all day for me here. Oh, technology? Let me tell you. Yep. I think after you cross a certain age, it just happens. It's all good. So let's see here. The first question for Jill was, and guys, just use the chat. The questions may be up. But the first question for Jill was, which one of your songs is your very favorite song? So the songs that Jill has recorded, which one is her very favorite? She actually named two. So you, you actually could have gotten two. You get, you get two pieces right. You have a, a two for one here. So respond in the chat what you think her answers are. <laughs> G-spot. Okay, G-Spot and Violet Blue, kissing yeah. all over the sun. Yeah. Someone's asking about music playing? There's no music. I don't have any music on. We don't have any music playing. Mercury and Retro. Unless you re- Jill, you didn't record a song called How Do We Turn Off the Music, did you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I never heard that one. How work? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kat. So Baron got one of them. Baron, you're thin man. Baron, you can unmute yourself. Baron you gets everything. I didn't tell hey. you you can unmute yourself, Clint. Hey, Baron. <laughs> Hello, hey, Clint. So Baron, what did you choose? Pissing all over the sun. Okay, you want to wow. tell us why? You want to tell us why you chose that? Wild guess. From what yes, I understand, so that was one of Jill's answers. That, yeah. From what I saw from la- from the um, symposium, 
and just hearing hearing Jill, I was like, that would be the end. I figured that would be the end. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's so good. So yeah. Jill, talk to us about that. Why, um, that's from your album too. It is. It's. Uh, I I wrote that. Am I muted? Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're good. Okay. Now I you're wrote muted. that. You're now. I wrote that. Uh, it was after my mom died, so I went and just had a big writing session in Chicago with my friend Chris Bruce, and. It was just everything. I think I had a new boyfriend at that time. I was still a single mom and, you know, you're not getting along with your ex or you're trying to co-parent. All of that was going on. But I think, yeah, it was just that whole record was very cathartic and gave me a lot of strength. So to be able to piss all over the sun was like, wow, yeah, I'm just really ruining everything right now. I'm just like, I just had to but it was quite powerful to be able to do that, to just get rid of, to just say everything and just let it all flood out. So yeah, that was it. Yeah. Awesome. Defiantly Thanks. pissing. <laughs> love it. I love it. Thanks, Baron. Good guess. Got it. <laughs> uh, Tracy, you chose Violet Blue. That was the other song. Where's Tracy? Humphrey. That's, that song. Why Tracy? What made you pick that one? And Tracy. I just like that song. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's just one of my, I just like the song. <laughs> Hold on. Definitely one of my, it is my yeah. favorite. I think, oh. you know, Prince wrote that with my journal. And I think it was around the oh. time, not many people knew that, um, you know, he was in that phase of like where he was engaged and he was also making the transition to go into doing Under the Cherry Moon. And I was flying back and forth to the set in France, back to New York. There was a lot going on. And so I think by looking at the words and putting it all together, it's almost hard to tell who's feeling what because the feelings overlap from my thoughts and his. But mm -hmm. it is about three like where I always have been a triangle not I'm not always a team player but you know, in my relationships but I try not but in a really weird way this song has this poignancy that uh, speaks to an unrequited ill-timed affair that's I think and I think everyone who hears it thinks of somebody or an emotion of someone that they know what this pain is. It's just pain and it's just, it's there and it's raw. And I think that's what it is. There's this rawness and you immediately go, I identify with this. I know what this is. Heartbreak. It's just heartbreak. I love it. Clint, you have your hand up, dear. You're on mute, Clint. I know, I see that. <laughs> Basically, just saying hi because I'm late. Hi. <laughs> he's late and he's hi. saying hi. Hi, Clint. <laughs> okay, next question, folks. This is a fun one. Uh, so we asked Jill, what emotion sums up your first interaction with Prince? chat people so py said lackluster <laughs> which was one of the choices in the poll that was one of the choices 
excited. Are you guys seeing the poll? Because these are the choices. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. Yeah, you can see the poll. You can see the question. Oh, cool. They just oh, you just can't answer. You just oh. can't answer. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm half-assed on technology, not completely assed <laughs> out on technology. Okay. So you can't see your own screen? <laughs> Thanks, Maxine. No, I cannot, Robin. Okay. <laughs> I'm the Sagittarius. You're the Virgo, okay? You get to see the whole screen. I, because I'm the Virgo, I would be able to see the screen. Of course you can. And the Sagittarius <laughs> says no. Where's her drink? Let it go. I just, I just don't know how to do the poll. Yeah, there's no way to do it. That's not what I heard, Clint. I heard you know how to do the poll. Oh, yeah, oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Not in front of Jill. Come on. <laughs> hey, that was more... <laughs> That was Maury. That wasn't me. Yes. Love you, Clint. Endear. Okay. Well, I, I say lackluster. <laughs> Just don't give him that look. So, so no one's quite gotten it yet, if you can see the poll. There's only like one thing left. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay. One more. <laughs> there you go, P. Weiss. So, P. Weiss, by, by default. <laughs> There's multiple choice here. Yeah, it was a multiple choice question. So, Jill did say gobsmacked. P. Weiss, you want to talk to Jill about that? No? <laughs> or not. <laughs> P. Weiss has... Okay. Oh, wait. There, there okay. If unmuted. Mercury's in retrograde, right? Okay, so... <laughs> there you go. Um, no, I picked lackluster first because I recall Jill saying at a prior something, maybe, maybe it was at the symposium, about her and Prince's reaction backstage at the Rick, on the Rick James tour. So none of the other... None of them really described it as much as what I thought. Like, the ribbing that was going on between the two of them kind of seemed like Jill was like, yeah, I don't, what do you want with me? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So gobsmack, yeah, was, what's that about? As a little gobsmack because we had such a small stage. <laughs> For some reason, I was, <laughs> we were the opening act and he was passing us in the hall after and someone introduced us and I was like, I can't believe, I mean, that's it. Thanks for the stage. You know, like, I don't know why. I don't know if I was flustered or it just flew out. Thanks for the stage. <laughs> you know, I was like 18, 17, I think. So it was a little bit gobsmacked about, because Tina, when we all went out on the stage, for real, we had been out with Rick. So because she was kind of dating Rick. I mean, we had a little bigger room. Tina had a band of like, I don't know, 14. Like, there were so many of us. We literally were like singing you know, like, just a sucker for you, like, piled on top. So I was just like, it was our first night. Come off. I had on a red ice skating outfit. I don't know why, but I like this ice skating looking outfit. And he was just there, like, oh, Prince, this is Tina, and blah, blah. And then she's like, this is my sister, Jill. And um, then I was like, thanks for the stage. You know, it was like the weirdest. And then my mother took me upstairs and was like, who do you think you are? Like, you know, this is the, what was that? And I don't know. I actually don't know where it just bubbled up. And anyway, it broke the ice. And later on, we ended up, you know, hanging out with a lot of ribbing. Thanks for the stage. 
because it was small and we got a little bit more room <laughs> so it was it did work you know you he knew you weren't playing around he respected yeah you. it was yeah, like I could definitely tell from your relation where you how you describe it yeah he's probably like he was said that he was just more like who is who is uh, this yeah, who's she? Like, like, who she that's not even the lead singer of the band you know <laughs> <laughs> she's not even tina who is she? i know it wasn't even tina who said it <laughs> Yeah, and he loved every minute of it, Jill, I'm clear. Oh, yeah. I'm clear. Okay, so mm -hmm. our third and final question for Jill, and then we, Jill, we have one more game with you, um, okay. is uh, the third question was, what do you feel, the question for Jill was, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment thus far in life? So please join in the chat. <laughs> You see the answers? You see the answers? <laughs> yes, Robin, I can see the chat. I just can't see the poll. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it up to my girl, uh, Luciana. Luciana, you chose, you chose, you chose, um, and Jill, tell me I'm saying her name right, Azusana? Yeah, that's it. All right, awesome. You said it perfectly. I'm a part of the, I'm a part of the, of the Unique Names Club, Mauricière, so I take <laughs> I that very seriously. Yes. <laughs> I take it very seriously. Love people your name. Thank you, dear. Take it very seriously. So, Lucy, where are you, friend? Where did she go? She's here. Luciana. She there? There. Unmute yourself, Lucy. No? no. All right, I'll give it over to Maxine Martin then. Hi, what, what do you want me to say? Hi, Maxine, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. It's a you great have awesome, day. You have a beautiful, I, say, I, I think you have an accent because I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So tell, <laughs> tell us where you're from. I'm from Liverpool, England, the home Auckland. of the Beatles. <laughs> I lived in uh, Liverpool, and that's my favorite team. Good, yeah, we won recently. We're we're excellent. Congratulations! Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's uh, you chose baby girl. Definitely, yeah. It's got to be her daughter. Yeah, it's my. So tell kid. us about Azusana Jill. Well, who is wanting to go back to England right now because she got stuck <laughs> here through Corona? Oh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard because I don't really see that things as an accomplishment because I don't think I'm a very ambitious person. So just getting through life has been an accomplishment. But um, I think that that if I had to say working on a relationship that I'm happy with as a mother and a daughter, I mean, we definitely have our moments and very strong willed. But I like who she is. And I think I like that. Um, 
I guess it's her Virgo moon that doesn't really let you feel too down in the dumps about yourself. Boy, a Virgo will come and kick you hard to not play victim. They hate playing victim. I dealt oh, with yeah. it this whole Robin's planning laughing. session. Yeah. I dealt with this whole planning session, Julie. Yeah. You know the abuse I took on. I do. <laughs> I do. We just want everyone to be their very best. That's all. Well, that's the truth. Even We're you know, clear. The, yeah, craziest moments. So when is uh, your birthday? She's July 23rd. She's a Leo with a Virgo oh, moon. Oh, oh wow. Perfection and action. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh. So there were moments that I think even as a small, small child, I needed that to be able to push through. And I, I got really fortunate with even my ex's family and they're so involved and so attentive and, um, but for real, just, she's a singer, she's a musician, but she has a different ethic, which is she's very spiritual and that guides her. Unlike the stress of, she doesn't like a lot of social media. She hates what it stands for. Everything that you would go, but you have to do this and you have to go out and promote. No, she's very true to herself. And on that, maybe that's an accomplishment I can take for everybody that helped to raise her and uh, that she's uh, her energy has been attracted to i don't know what it is because even when i was talking to prince about it because he was going to meet up with her and one thing he said is she shouldn't sign a deal and all this stuff but what's interesting is to see people who are so 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 driven to do their art and i think she does every day like he did but really they just trust the flow of it that's what he also had. They trust that they're in the right place. And if it doesn't feel like you're in the right place, they won't deal with it. I don't know what that is. It's something I don't know. So if that's an accomplishment just to be around it, maybe that's something I needed. But it did repeat. It's, a, it's a, something I needed to learn. So karmically, Saturn, because all this stuff that's going on right now is Saturn coming back and revisiting us that's been a running theme of like, what did you do that made you either stay in something because you loved it or because, you know, when you didn't want to be there. So that, that's done a lot of thinking over this quarantine. Can I just ask a question about that, Jill? Uh-huh. Well, 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 make a comment really. You know, I, I, I think that the way you're talking, it, it sounds as though you, your daughter just like, trust the universe and trust what's going to happen. But I, I probably think that's a lot to do with your strength as a mother, you know, because you, you seem like a really strong, strong person. And maybe she's well, just got such a deep trust in, in you that, that she feels that confidence to be able to do that. Well, I think you're right. And I think that, well, her father is a yogi. He's, uh, and it does, he's, a pure yogi with the whole Hindu, all of the Vedas, all of that. And even the stepmother and everybody who's come in, I think I've learned a lot over the years where I was once territorial in those old days of growing up and mm. being on the bus and not finding all this love in my heart. Having one child exposed me to all of it. And I learned that I was capable of loving everybody, embracing everybody. It's 
all because of this kid and that you're right. It's the trusting whatever it is. And that's, that's taken me a long time to realize that I think that's the most, even with the fans, like who, who, who love Prince so much, it's so much bigger than just uh, to think that everybody was sort of running in each other's lives, even though we'd never met each other, we were kind of always there. One couldn't do without the other. And that sometimes if it's, I'm not on drugs. I'm not even, I'm not even listening to Pink Floyd to get there to think that, but it's really like, I go, yeah, this is really like a mushroom trip because we all of his fan base, everybody has stayed really kind of connected. Yeah. Everybody has their dysfunction and all of that. But for the most part, it's pretty wild to think that everybody found each other mm. and they did. I don't know who we're all going to be in the next life, but, or what, what, what it, what that is, but there was a purpose and a reason for everybody's mm-hmm. contribution. So thank Robin you. Robin and I talk about that. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. A, thanks, Maxine. Yeah. Robin and I talk about that element. Like who was Prince in a past life that we found him in this one? Right. And we're all gathered together. Like there's a lot of folks on I this, on, even on the zoom who are like, we've been traveling together whether knowingly or unknowingly, oh, I was there. Oh, I was there. I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize that you were there. So true. Just uh, you know, keeping life appointments, really, yeah. right? And you know, whatever whatever that means for the for the for the journey that we're in right now, we're moving forward or in another right. another another space and time. But the connection is is no mistake, right? It's all and very why he exited this time, why he chose to leave this time. Yes, right. Why? Yes. Yes. This was like the most, why a bunch of them left? David Bowie. Oh, I mean, it's like Same that. time. So, yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, we're checking out of here now. You ready to go? It was just something very, I don't know. And so I think it makes it easier for us to know we're in the right place. We just now have to find our joy in it and the mission, whatever that is. Very key time in the world. Key moment. It's so key i love it thank you so much jill so we have thank you we have one more game and one final question for you okay all right so um robin are you ready on your end because i think you're the one with the you're with you're the one with the tech responsibilities this time (laughs) so we're gonna so we're playing a game called sound off so you were in round two so we'll get back to round one um afterwards so sound off. You're. Um, I'm gonna get all. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen in a bit. So purple army. If you are, Robin's gonna play violet blue, extra from violet blue, and she's gonna play baby. You're a trip. So if you are violet blue, you're gonna give it a thumbs up. If you are baby, you're a trip. You're gonna give it a high five. And majority wins. These are two songs. Good luck choosing on this one. These are powerful ones. All right, Robin, so whenever you are ready, and I'm going to stop the share so we can see the, and you're using the reactions button. Okay. All right. Um, Uh, Maury, the poll is still, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Yes, it's gone. I had no idea how to do it. Basic. (laughs) Music. Share. All right, guys. So these are short edits. 
So we're, they're about a little over a minute each. So we're going to play them for you. And then like Maurice said, use your reactions buttons to tell us which ones you think are your fa personal favorites. Okay. Okay. If I need to adjust the sound, let me know. That volume needs to go up. Yeah, push the volume up, Robin. It's up. <laughs> there you go. That was cool. What's a woman to do? Across the street waits a man she's promised to do. And in her presence is another With eyes of violet blue Just too short sharing your screen so we can see all right so thumbs up violet blue high five for baby your trip see thumbs up see one high five clicking into the reactions and the reactions don't stay so you may have to click it a couple times <laughs> <laughs> The reactions go down. <laughs> Looks like Violet Blue on my end, Robin. What are you thinking? Um, I saw a lot of thumbs up, actually. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of thumbs up. What's some thumbs up? Wait. Thumbs <laughs> up was violet blue. Maybe it's a tie. <laughs> it's a tie. They're, they're both dynamic wow. songs. Jill, Jill, what comes up for you when you hear those songs? 
uh, the images of recording the time in the studio. Yeah, because recording Violet Blue was great. Um, it was, you know, we did that later on, the uh, strings and everything went in. So it was a pretty raw track at the very beginning for both of them. So with that, it's working with Prince was great because sometimes he wasn't a real stickler for uh, being on the note and he didn't manipulate notes to make you, if he, he'd say things like, if I believe you, then I'm going to keep it. So mm -hmm. if he believed your vocal, he would keep it. And that was always like, because sometimes you're like sweating in there and you're really going for it. And, you know, now David Z, when we recorded like Baby, You're a Trip, because we, he and I did that together. David Z wanted to be perfect for, I think he was a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Had to be. I mean, God, I even have footage of like where my hair is like sticking up all over my head. And I'm like, going, okay, all right. Um, Singing your heart out. Yeah, singing your heart out. But, you know, it really was like a, the songs are beautiful. And just to try to do it justice, because Baby You're a Trip, he had laid the, he laid that vocal. And it was very nice. And just to even get the nuances where, you know, when you'd say you're a great in motion pictures, to just do it really like beautifully, like air just floating out. So that's sometimes how I like to always listen to his stuff. And when I would go in the studio with Lady Cab Driver, that was kind of the same of just sitting face to face with the microphone like this. And he was on this side and I'm on this side, the mic's in the middle. So just watching the mouth move and molding it. So those types of things always stick in my head about the recording process. I love it, I love it. So Jill, I'm gonna bless Damon with the, Damon, you still have your question? Yeah, our panelists, Dam so you can jump Yeah, Damon had a question. Questions. No, Damon had, had a question, so I want to make sure that Damon gets his question in. Okay. Unmute. You're uh, muted, Damon. Because you there muted you me, Maury. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. You know I'm technologically I see, I see, I see uh, challenged. No, no, <laughs> Conspiracy yeah. to keep you quiet. No, Jill, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for doing this, and this is amazing. And, uh, Oh, your up. album, I think. I, I think uh, uh, Robin said truly had an impact on me. Um, had a question about the genesis of your solo record. Was there a configuration mm -hmm. of it that you all, that you and Prince and your producer David Z, came up with it um, that we would be surprised by? So other songs. Second question, really quickly. Seven Seven Bleaker Street. Is that a composition that you did with another producer? Did Prince have anything to do with it? And then thirdly, real quick. <laughs> is that you moaning in the track in Purple Rain when he seduces Apollonia on the, over the drum track? Yes, I Where's actually. Backwards? Yes, that yes, and um, I was not aware of that, but yes. Uh, <laughs> wait, <it was> on, <laughs> wait, wait, rewind, rewind. Like, wait, I wasn't wait, aware that it ended up it, in the movie. It was you. I knew it was you. Yeah, he took uh, something else that we'd done. Uh, Mm -hmm. and hey, then just read it moment. backwards and then would say something like, you know what that is? You know, and you're I'm like, no. And then go, oh, okay. So yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I was always the best moaner at Paisley Park, right? And that's, I mean it in like a pun way, right? 
<laughs> I was always moaning about something, literally or figuratively. Um, <laughs> so then 77 Bleecker Street, I wrote uh, it in New York and I sent it to him because I wasn't, I wasn't really sure. This is a really kind of a little secret. I had a crush on someone who lived in 77 Bleecker Street. And I wrote this song and I had a guitar. I had the guy from the studio at Electric Lady send me a guitar, you know, and stuff at home. I was worked it out, sent it, Prince heard it. I said, this is for the B-side. And he goes, oh, huh, huh. He just went, hmm, can I work on it? And so then he redid it and um used you know the same melody but he'd like beef changed the whole thing called me and had me fly to uh minneapolis to record it and it was really an one a very uncomfortable song to sing because it was so weird like i know he's written songs about other people but for me to be in the thing as the author of the song and i'm like well i wrote that about other people and he's singing the hell out of it right now and it was just kind of like a really weird, but I almost felt like he did that on purpose to me. I swear, I felt like it was just like sticking me with this song over and over. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But he never asked me who it was about. And I, that's one thing I did learn. It's like asking about who the songs are about. There's creative license and liberties that I think people, authors, all authors or writers or creators need to be able to hold on to because it's it's can be a culmination of a ton of things and you put it together and it's a different model so yeah that was seven seven bleaker and so yeah we did a killer recording on that you can see how it goes out with a lot of the yelling and the screaming and he pushed me hard to get that which was awesome and then the first question was what did you ask me about the first one um damon damon what was the first one uh, a configuration of oh. uh a configuration of your the configuration of your solo album the first solo album we were, was there other were there other songs that you took off or that you misunderstood wanted to leave on i couldn't that, uh, stand that, that song <laughs> misunderstood i couldn't stand it <laughs> because i and i he'd been trying it with everybody but and it was you know and then uh we were going to go down the direction with killing at the soda shop, which is a, I don't know, it's been leaked somehow. It's very aggressive punk, whatever. And then he was pushing me down the Elvis route, which really was kind of the breaking point for both of us. Uh, when he was pushing too hard, even for the next record to go more Elvis and then getting, Oh, until he like bugged out and decided he wanted me to get plastic surgery. Like, Brigitte Nielsen, which that was when I was like, uh, bye, you know, like it was just, uh, that was, those were the bad times where he started to just push people's buttons. But yeah, there were, I definitely tried out a lot of songs, but when they were too cheesy or too corny, it wasn't fitting. It was like a bad blood transfusion. And it's so interesting because I don't think I was just that kind of girl. Another girl could do it. It just didn't work on me. It didn't work. I, you'd have a conversation with me and just be like, okay, it didn't work. Yeah. So we went through years of trying different things. And sometimes I wonder if he ran out of steam or he didn't know what to do with me because he couldn't put me in a 
total composite of you're the sexy one, you're the smart one, you know, these archetypes. But he made sure to give me some of his best songs. Mm -hmm. And we worked on some really cool, like we did work together on Mia Boca and wrote it by calling restaurants and trying to get the right Italian. Only we ended up getting like the Spanish guys who told us in the kitchen what the words were and it was all wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I got to Italy, everyone was like, Jill, you know, your grammar is terrible. I was like, yeah, it's, you're speaking Spanish and Italian. Italian. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Look, we're just some black kids from like Minnesota. I don't know. I mean, we called the local, you know, Luigi's down the street. Now, shoot me. Like, Thank God. I was like, what did we know? So, yeah. Jill, this has been amazing. And thank you so, so, so much. Thank so you. We did, yeah, this has been. This I, this was this was a lot of fun and uh, dreams do come true. Keep believing. Thank you. This I was will. great. This is great. All Robin, right, anything from you? You're on mute, Robin. Yeah. I just wanted to say thank you, Jill. And Jill, I just want to tell you another memory. I'm the storyteller, okay? I also mm -hmm. have another fond memory when I was like maybe Oh boy, another oh, grandmother story. <laughs> I'm gonna and, mute you, Clint. Yes, just keep him on mute, please. I was I was out working at my first job and there was a record store like down the street and I went to record store and I was like looking at dance music and I saw this obscured like one I think it was only one and it was said Oh I know what she's gonna talk about Ryuchi Sakamoto oh, yeah. and I was like oh my god it's a Jill Jones record and I just like yeah. ran off and I also listened to that like pretty much every day. That was like Ruichi. my favorite dance song of like nineteen ninety like Oh thank you. I loved Ruichi, loved him, and that was a dream. I was in Italy, I heard, uh, I went to see uh, The Last Emperor, and it was all in Italian, and, 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 and mixes of Chinese or whatever. So the score really helped me to understand what the heck was going on. There were no subtitles either. My mom fell asleep in it, you know, and it, this was like the premiere. I was like, oh my God. And I was doing kind of well in Italy. I was like, wake up. <laughs> so then <clears throat> I met Ruichi because I wanted to meet him. And then we did meet. And we tried for so long to find something to do. But that was just the urgency of like, it was a fun song and whatever. But phenomenal person, talent. So uh, thank you for buying it. It was, it was fun. And the Okinawan singers were just brilliant. I loved yeah. it. I absolutely Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. So you're welcome to hang out with us and keep, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep this party going. Um, you know, okay. be if you can't, but you're welcome to, and I definitely want to hear your, can I, can I watch it later? Absol Absolutely. We're recording okay. it. I'd yes. like to share it. And I want to oh, yeah. watch what you all talked about with the women. That's going to yeah, be. Yeah. Cause dear, you alluded to the, to the, the paradigms that exist within the different types of women and, mm -hmm. and where they served and how he broke and made them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all to, all to filter and facilitate the Prince Rogers Nelson world. So we're going to talk about Amazing. that next. But Jill, you are dynamic, continued strength and perseverance. And I would love to hear something creative come for you, whether the book or recording. You okay. are amazing. And, okay. and it's wanted and needed, Jill. It's wanted Thank and needed. Thank you. All right. So. I'll settle down and do something. Yes. Right now I'm just trying to track down some French garlic seeds. 
because <laughs> I want to grow my own garlic. I want I the that. big bulbs. So, right. But yes, I will do that. All right. Be well, All right, Thank you. Bye. All right. Guys. Take care. I love you. Take care. Thank love you, you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an awesome way to start. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Look, hey, we take it. You know, we, we, you don't you get Jill Jones. You go right with it. Yeah. So we are going to uh, get into. Um, I had to turn on my light. Sorry. Okay. Oh shit! I just spilled water all over the floor. Hold on. Hot email. Language, Robin. Maury, take off your glasses. You're reflecting your computer screen. You know what, Clint? My daughter's it's advice, man. It's advice. You know what? Really? This is my blue light glasses. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yes. My daughter is like trying to hustle Carvel ice cream, and like, not now. <laughs> All right, lovely. Robin bagged at her water. Did she get her water situation? She's Rectified. swimming under her table. There you go. All right. So let's get to this. By the way, I missed you, Maury. I miss you, Clint. I miss all of the Purple Army. I really do. I'm so grateful that you guys are here tonight with us. So um, it was actually exciting starting with Jill uh, to hear her actually name some of the ideas that um, I've been thinking about. And I want to just give a shout out to our panelists who are here with us tonight. So we got Damon Cox. Please, please read their bio since I forced them to send it to sure, me. Sure, I will read the bio. One second, let me just Can I just say something about the panelists that we've selected? I will sure. just say that the panelists that we selected are very longtime friends of ours. They've known us since the, pretty much almost as long as we've known each other. Um, and they're extremely knowledgeable and extremely like thoughtful in their and their love and exuberance about Prince's music and his world and the legacy. So that's mm -hmm. why they are here with us today. So, awesome. that's what I gotta say. so Damon, Damon Cox, this is this, really Damon, this is hilarious. Damon was a waiter on the promenade. He worked the night shift and got a lot of tips, but on bumps. In his spare time, he worked in the music industry, government affairs, and indulge in a myriad of Prince-related activities. Steve Marshall, who's also on our panel, is a member of the girls and boys of the New Boogie Groove. Those who know, know. I know Steve, we go way back. Uh, Jay Smooth, for over 28 years, Jay Smooth has been the host and producer of New York's longest running hip hop radio show, The Underground Railroad, hailed by Chuck D as home to the best hip hop conversations. Jay is also an acclaimed cultural commentator, best known for his ill-doctrine video blog, which has been featured on NPR, CNN, MSNBC, and adapted into a permanent display at the NMAHC, making him, uh, he will now hereby claim, the first vlogger in the Smithsonian. That's dope. And Dr. Kat Katerina Pierre, aka DJ Raspberry, 
host sound cycle with DJ Raz Ray on Maker Park Radio New York City at www.makerparkradio.newyorkcity. She has written on the history of Paisley Park and has a secret life as an art historian. So I just want to welcome our panelists. So Purple Army, as you're watching, just as we did with Jill, you're welcome to comment in and uh, we'll pull your comments. And as we did with Jill, we may ask you to come on and have a conversation with us. So this presentation is five women, prince prototypes, mirrors, muses, mavericks, matriarchs, and maidens. So, oops, there we go. So I wanted to begin by looking at Prince's formative years. So in Prince's formative years, uh, he's born in 1958, and I look at the first 20 years of his life. So, you know, Prince, born June 7, 1958, grows up in, in born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, you know, an average kid in many ways plays basketball, sports, is into music, uh, and, and finds a passion within that. And on the first slide, the very the intro slide, we have uh, two women on that slide. I'm going to go back for one second. And the two women I just want to highlight are one in the top right-hand corner, we have Maddie Baker, who is his mom. And we also have Bernadette Anderson, who is the mother of Andre Simone and a surrogate mom to Prince uh, as she takes him in. Uh, when he is no longer living with his parents or his aunt. And I think that those, those women are interesting to start with because those are the root of the women in his life. And when you look at the beautiful ones, Prince says that the first thing I can remember, you know how you can tell when someone is smiling by just looking in their eyes? That was my mother's eyes. Sometimes she would squint them like she was about to tell you a secret. I found out later my mother had a lot of secrets. Also about his mother, he says, she craved attention and he gave her plenty. The he he's referring to is his dad. Um, of it when she was sharp. Of all the family and friends and relatives, my parents were the sharpest. No one could accessorize like they could. My mother's jewelry, gloves and hats all had to match. So Prince like sets us up with this idea of his, you know, mom being like this ultimate fashionista, which you can't help ignore to see how that eventually influenced him as he grew up. Um, and Bernadette being the, uh, the surrogate mom who provided the stability of this home because it was from Bernadette's house that he graduated from high school and then went into uh, looking towards his career in music. Uh, two very important women in his life. At the backdrop of his formative years, Prince is, you know, going through this, uh, he's living through the civil rights movement. Uh, many times throughout his career, he identified Martin Luther King as someone who's a hero. He was a contributor to the MLK, uh, MLK Day becoming a holiday, uh, supporting Stevie Wonder and the producing of the song. Uh, he's also at the backdrop of Viet the Vietnam War, and uh, The Feminine Mystique, which was a book that was released in 1968, I believe, uh, which basically broke the myth that women were interested and loved being housewives and cooking for their husbands only. Um, and as Prince evolved through his career, he was definitely a supporter in breaking The Feminine Mystique. And the last piece I want to highlight within his formative years that we see play out as we go through his career is uh, Black exploitation films and how they showed up in his, in his world as he was evolving as a teenager. So 
you know, Prince went on to make uh, four movies. And I'm confident from, you know, we can go through, as we go through the presentation, we're going to talk about ways in which, you know, the Black exploitation genre um, and coming up within that actually influenced how he positioned women and uh, thought about them. So with that, I open up to the panel. Is there anything else in the panel that you'd like to share around the Prince's formative years? I did want to read about his, his, uh, his commentary on... Um, <laughs> Marcy and Carrie as girls in his formative years from the beautiful ones, but I'd, I'd open up the floor to the panel before I do that. Um, I did not read the beautiful ones yet because I have feelings. <laughs> it's okay, Robin. That's why I'm here. I, I can't, I can't yet. Not yet? Not yet. I know it's been almost a year. I still have not read it. But I, I am glad to know that Carrie is a real person because I do love Schoolyard. Yeah, Carrie is a girl who Schoolyard was about. So Marcy lived on the north side. I met her in total darkness at a house party, just like my favorite scene in the movie About Time with Rachel Adams. Rachel and her love interest meet in a sensory de uh, deprivation dinner, diner. You are served and dine in complete darkness. Imagine that meal. The house party I met Marcy at was in pitch black by choice. Nearly all house parties back in the day were dark inside because disco lighting was expensive. The best you can do was to stand by the Christmas tree lighting so at least you could see who your dancing partner might be. As I recall, you asked Marcy to dance. I asked Marcy to dance because she was the closest in the vicinity and I loved the song that had just come on. It was Skin Tight by the Ohio Players and the bass drums on this record would make Stephen Hawking's dance. No, no, he didn't. No disrespect. It was just funky. Uh, so, and then he goes into um, Carrie, a couple of paragraphs later, introduced to me by my estranged sister, Taika. Carrie was my first real girlfriend, a tough ghetto girl who personified the very thing my father warned me against. Carrie's body was criminal and her curves were most dangerous on the weekend. Carrie used to wear sizzlers infamously short mini dresses with identical underbottoms to match. In the movie uh, Watt Stacks, there's a scene of a beautiful sister wearing a sizzler dancing to some funk. Nothing before or since is colder than that sister engaging in this particular endeavor. Carrie was the first girl to expose a brother to just straight up animal lust, where rational thought is overcome by the strength of physical attraction. This feeling will draw words from the pen that one doesn't even know exists. This feeling will make one combine words that don't go together, but just sound so good. You not only read them, you can smell. That's Prince's commentary on Carrie. Panel, anything? Damn. <laughs> I would like to know where Carrie is now. No, she has read this. And I would, I would just say, I, I did read the beautiful ones. I, I know Robin, it's rough, but it, it really is gorgeous and it's like the thing that Prince was working on in those final months and it's, it's wonderful. But I think the most amazing thing for me was how well he remembered these women from like literally 40, 45 years before. It was insane how he remembered how they met and how they remembered how they were into each other. I, I couldn't believe the clarity 
I can't remember who I met yesterday, what I ate last week. <laughs> he was remembering these girls from high school with such amazing clarity. And those photographs, he had pictures. He had a picture of Marcy, yes. He saved these pictures from freaking 40 years before. And okay, we all save a lot of stuff, but Prince, you would think, why would he keep this stuff? He kept these pictures, and so they meant something to him. And so I was amazed at his clarity, his memory for these women, and the fact that he he must have treasured them because he kept those pictures around. And with someone with that much fame, money, power, you would think that stuff would just all get lost somewhere. But no, that stuff was kept, um, and, and I thought that was very powerful. It's amazing to me that he remembered these women from so long ago when he had so many women after that. <laughs> Truth be told. <laughs> it's like, wow. Did he remember every woman in the same exact way, I wonder? Probably not. Mm. But it's interesting because this book, we all know that too, within the formative years, like him, him talking about these two women in particular, uh, he didn't get to finish his book, but he wrote about them. Yeah. Interesting places to start. Damon, I saw you unmuted yourself. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I didn't have anything to add. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so 1978, the world gets exposed to Prince. How, how exciting is this uh, in Prince for you? Um, and what I did was I pulled out some lyrics from the albums because one, one of the common themes I realized in the first few albums, Prince speaks a lot about being the one who was brokenhearted. You know, he speaks a lot about being the one who's brokenhearted, being the one who doesn't get chosen, um, being the one who's like, I'm the one who's helplessly in love, which is something that he later prescribes onto women um, when he begins writing for other people. So... Uh, in love, falling, falling, falling in love. I'm falling, baby, deeper every day. You're breaking my heart and taking me away. I'm falling, baby girl, what can I do? I just can't live without you. You know, these, like this very helpless, you know, like I'm so enamored by you. I can't, I can't do without. Uh, crazy you, I'm just a crazy fool, lost in the world. I love, I get from crazy you. Oh, I'm so strung out thinking about the crazy things you do, crazy you. You know, and then the the scared and the fearfulness of, you know, baby, what am I going to do? Baby, what are we going to do? I barely have enough money for two. Baby, what are we going to do? Um, you know, I don't want to regret what I've done to you. And again, just the, the, the sentiment around fear and how that plays out in, in like, I can't believe I did this to you, right? Um, and so bloom. I had everything I needed, but now my life is so blue. You meant the world to me, but now you're gone and I'm so blue. Even though the sun is shining, I spend my days, I spend my days crying over you. I spend my days crying over you. I, I, oh, I just feel like the sky. I am so blue. I'm just sad, you know, and I just I hadn't thought about, you know, how <laughs> like, wait a minute. Like I'm saying, you know, I got, I got used to like, you know, pimp rag, Tootsie Pop, Kane, Prince. But apparently he wasn't there yet. Uh, Clint, you wanted to comment? Well, yeah, I'm going to agree with uh, with what you're saying because he was very vulnerable. Like every song in there, he was offering himself to a woman. He wasn't taking control of the relationship. Uh, he didn't have the confidence in his character. 
you know, oh, Prince, when you compare it to the other album, even I'm yours, you know, he's pleading with a woman to take him, basically. <laughs> At least take me. You know, uh, like, here, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. There, take you, me. Yeah, he would have been mine. I would have just been like, sure. Sure. Exactly. And, and, I, I, and I think it's, it's um, you know, in doing this research like this, like from this perspective, because how many times I've ever listened to For You and Prince and the albums that are coming up and it's hearing it, like looking at it for how, you know, where his influence and intersection came with women. It was like, wait, the first few albums, Prince was really kind of crying a lot um, <laughs> and sad, you know, uh, and we continue on with Prince, uh, the album Prince in 1979 uh, with I want to be your lover. I ain't got no money, so I'm de I'm declaring broke. So right there, you've just lost the ladies' prince, right? I ain't got no money. I like those other guys you hang around. It's kind of funny, but they always seem to let you down, right? And I get discouraged because I never see you anymore, right? And then we get into Bambi, which is like like the lesbians don't want you, right? But I'm gonna try to convince you, woman who is a lesbian, that you would want me because it's better with a man. I'm still waiting, you know. I'm just longing and waiting, all my friends tell me, also all my friends are the ones who are getting all the girls and they don't even know how, you know, can they see what they're doing to me? It makes me so feel so bad because I feel all alone and brokenhearted. It's like my life is ended, but more like it's never started. Damn, no play, you know? <laughs> it's just very sad. Um, and with you, which Jill, uh, it, which is on the Jill Jones album from 87, um, beautiful song, you know, great sentiment, but again, it's, it's, you know, the longing and I only feel complete when I'm with you, you know, we've come so far in little time. Sometimes I wonder if it's meant to be, sometimes you're very kind, you know, that's the nice you're not with me. I'm scared that you're going to leave again, fearful. And I can, I also like read these lyrics differently thinking around like the interactions with his mom and having to live in, living in another home and what those you know like where the disconnect lies with girls like Carrie versus where you're you know his mom and now here we are Prince was like 21 uh at this album 21 22 somewhere in that age range and uh why you want to treat me so bad you know again I gave you all my love I even gave you my body tell me baby ain't that enough apparently not because she's still treating him <laughs> very poorly Clint, you still have your hand up. You want to make a comment about this? It, it's just staying up. But yes, I do have a comment. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it just won't disappear, that hand. It's, um, it's all good. The, um, the difference between uh, I want to be your lover and uh, Bambi is that he's actually, you know, the difference there is, is that he, he, he actually is going forward with his confidence he's trying to convince the lesbian and bambi that you know she'd enjoy him and i want to be your lover you know it's like he's grabbing her by the collar and go hey, hey i want to be a lover but <laughs> you know the other ones you know they're still uh a little more endearingly uh vulnerable but i think there's a little more confidence in bambi and i want to be a lover as far as uh being a man wanting to be in a relationship yeah, and I love that. I love that distinction because I, I do think with each album, we get a little bit more courageous about what we can say to women um, and eventually what we can say on behalf of women. So 
um, panel anything on this? And Robin, could you monitor the chat? Because I can't see it. If yeah, anybody's it says, comments um, there. Actually, Lynn wants to make a comment. Please. Thank you. What is that? Um, I'm sorry. My comment was about for you, but I was sure. trying to get in and I didn't want to be rude and just jump in. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lynn. You can always raise your hand, Hunk. I can't, I can't, I can't see the chat while I'm going over. I was practically line. dancing and doing a cheerleading routine over here. <laughs> um, no, what I wanted to say was when you look at for you, um, I teach high school and I teach juniors and seniors. And because of the nature of my classes, a lot of times my students are 19, 20 years old. And so when you look at the um, For You and you look at the innocence of the lyrics, I, 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 I stare at my students and I think you're never that deep at that age. But the thing is, you, I, I, I tried to look at the album as someone who, was, who would be in my class writing these lyrics when he's supposed to be doing my work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Scribbling in his notebook. And because they're very young lyrics, you know, we're looking at it how many years later but think about it, he was a kid when he wrote those lyrics. You know, he, he would be one of my students. So those are very innocent. So it's not that he's like whiny or vulnerable. He was a kid. That's what love looks like to a teenager. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's a great point because even like with Soft and Wet, one of the pieces that I had for that was, it's very green, it's a very green sexual right. song, right? It's, it's very adjective driven, not it's very, like Katarina, not very verb driven. Right, it's hormones popping. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you, you, so, you know, when you, we look at it as adults, you know, it seems like, oh, you know, this, but he was a kid. He would, you know, he would have been one of my students writing this kind no, of stuff. Oh, great problems. point. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's a child's view, you know. Yeah. So and that's it's, like, I, it's a beautiful thing that we get to see that evolution. Right. Right. Cause it, and you're 100% correct, because uh, 78, so he's what, 20 at this point? Right. You know, like I said, I just had a couple of students who just graduated who were 20, you know, and and listening to the boys talk, you know, that's the way they see girls. You know, it's everything is just, you know, it's not anything deep or meaningful. You know, it's just so I just wanted to add that, you know, that it's not you know, we have to remember the time, you know, you said it's the formative years. He was a kid and, you know, he was a kid who got a great opportunity, but he was still a kid. Well received. Thank you for that. So to Clint's point around courage seems to be uh, growing and uh, Lynn's point around uh, growing past a certain point, we get to dirty mind. And uh, everyone, most, most critics agree, fans agree that this is where the album that really broke ground towards a new understanding of who Prince was and him reestablishing himself or establishing himself as I'm here and I will be seen and I will be heard. Um, so everything from, everything from, um, oh, somebody's on the waiting room, guys. Uh, everything from, you know, um, thank you, from the title track of Dirty Mind to Head to Sister, uh, really start speaking out against, you know, like what, what, what's really on his mind. So it's not just so I, I want to hold your hand and I want to be with you. It's, it's more about morning, noon and night, I'm giving you head. Right. Um, and then he taps into like very taboo subjects like uh, incest with sister. And even as I was typing it on the PowerPoint earlier, I was like, these lyrics still shock. Um, and, you know, my sister never made love to any close, anyone close with me. She's the reason for my uh, sexuality. She showed me where it's supposed to go. A blow job doesn't mean blow. 
incest is everything it's said to be. Uh, very uh, powerful and jarring and shocking and compelling at the same time. Because as much as the, tab the, so the topic is taboo, I know I'll listen to Sister in a minute, right? Because um, it's got a great beat. And it's like, whoa, okay. Um, and the same thing with head. You know, I was so nonchalant, I didn't want you to be misled, but I've got to have you, baby. I've got to have you in my bed. Um, but I'm just a virgin and I'm on my way to be wed. You're such a hunk, so full of spunk. I'll give you head. Okay. Very, very matter of fact. You know, like that's how it all goes down on our wedding day that we run into Prince and we end up giving him head instead of our soon-to-be husband. Right? So it, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's compelling, but he still's got the when you were mines in there, you know? It, uh, you know, I know that you're going with another guy, but I don't care because I love you, baby. That's no lie. So even within the, I'm going to be more predominant in how I'm showing up sexually, there is the, oh, wait a minute, I want that girl, but she's with this guy, I don't mind, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, hold on, I, I liked her more when she was mine, but the, in, the inference there is that I could still tolerate it even though she's not. Um, and the same thing with God, it broke a heart again, you know, we fall back into that, you know, to Clint's word of vulnerability, um, and also Lynn thinking about where he is within his growth, right? Um, but then again, the, the, you get Uptown, which brings you into this, he begins formulating this world that we all can kind of step into and believe that, um, that there's, there's a place to party. And for people who, you know, black, white, Puerto Rican, everybody just a freaking, doesn't matter what you look like, what physical package you're in, um, people questioning his sexuality, are you gay? You know, those pieces happen within Uptown and kind of bridge the worlds between the For You Prince and now going into where he is heading. Um, and I also have a picture here of, from Alan Below of, uh, that's Jill and uh, Kim Upshur in that picture. And Kim Upshur was his high school girlfriend. Um, but to Jill's commentary, they'd always be, <laughs> they'd all be together. Uh, near, near, near to one another. Okay, any commentary on Dirty Mind? Anything in the chat, Robin? Um, Zinzi made a really funny comment. She says, I'll listen to Sister, but I won't sing the lyrics. Head? At the top of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so you burn it up, Zinzi. So you burn it up. <laughs> I think we all yeah, I, at the top of our voice. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely, love, absolutely love that song. Absolutely love. Well, I love that entire album, but I was kind of young when it came out, so I couldn't really, you know, enjoy it on the level that I can enjoy it on now. Yes, I remember my mother standing next to my speaker, yelling at me about cleaning my room while I was blasting head. And like, she kept on yelling about the room and I was just grateful that she didn't like pick up on what he was saying. Cause I was like more mortified about her standing next to the speaker while he was talking about My morning. mother played Millie Jackson, Richard Pryor, Red okay. Fox. You know, I just couldn't like say the words. But you can listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Clint? Uh, regarding sister. I never took it that literally. I don't think he's actually singing about a blood sister. I really? always thought no. I, I so. always thought maybe it was a girl, a female friend 
who he just who was like a sister uh, no yes, so like you, were, sister. you were not on the symposium when andre simone kind of blurted out oh yeah that's his sister sharon and we're all like in the chat like what and he said <laughs> <laughs> i almost died and he said, yeah, you know, Prince and I used to live together, so I knew everything. He was like, and then he start, I think he started to think about the fact that he had just outed Sharon and Prince. And he was like, well, no, I think it was Sharon. That was the rumor. And I was like, no, dude, I heard what you said. And my ears were like this, like, what? But he said it was Sharon. So there you go. And he said he would know because he and Prince were living together. Yikes. Yeah, I, you know, Clint, I, I also at one point ha was hopeful around that interpretation. Like, you know, it's somebody who's close to him that he considers like a sister. But then like the age difference too used to right. mess with me. Like this, I was 16, she was 32. That used to mess with me because that is the age difference. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We, uh, we'll, we'll just have to take sister for what it's worth for now. But it yeah. does play well, I mean, a role. I mean, you know, whether it's the metaphorical or the literal, um, mm -hmm. there is somebody who is very close to him that he felt inspired to um, <laughs> craft these lyrics for our uh, enjoyment. Um, and then we get to controversy where we really start. This is this is the fourth album, and this is like it's an amazing time too because. You know, artists don't get this type of opportunity, right? So Prince actually had an opportunity to grow within his career. Most are like, you know, like Prince, Fleetwood Mac, these artists actually have an opportunity to have like this whole anthology of music. Music today doesn't really do, doesn't do justice to having artists grow over time into having multiple albums. And um, uh, Damon, I gave you your, your quote here, well, at least my favorite quote from Private Joy. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to comment on uh, controversy and what we see happening with Prince and women and how the evolution starts taking place really in, in a big way that Dirty Mind opened up the door for. The only thing I would add is that you know, I, I think this is where he starts to uh, the ownership of women, right? And in, in, in kind of treating them as objects, if you will. Um, you know, before in the, in, the, in the earlier works, he's longing for their attention um, and, uh, and kind of pining for them. And then here you see him kind of, you know, in his full blown bravado, um, you know, talking about, yeah, I own you because you're my private joy. I think that really speaks to the duality of Prince. Um, you know, I, to this day, I don't know what the, who the real prince is, right? Um, you know, is he this is he this taskmaster who is in complete control of his band by a hand gesture, right? Or is he this guy who um, who's you know begging and pleading and, and, and whining about things, um, you know, with, with, with I hate you? Um, you know, who who is this guy? So uh, so yeah, I think controversy is that point where he realizes the power and control that he has, and he's starting to exact that power and control um, in, this, in this piece of work. And to that point, the Do Me Baby uh, lyric, I love what Susan Rogers offered from about this song, that it's like the first foray into Prince giving power to women, like Do Me Baby like you've never done before. It's like he's, he's calling upon you to, to you know, oblige this request. It's a request. Um, not so much a command, right? Um, and, and giving it over to women in a way 
sexually that I don't think we've seen. Um, and, and I think this is where vulnerability really kicks in for me, Clint, to your comment, where he is surrendering, like, do me, baby, like you've never done before. Ooh, give it to me till I just can't take no more. Right? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm yours, whatever you want to do. Um, and I think that, that that's, um, that, that's different. That, that has not happened until we hear that on this, this particular um, album. And then, of course, back to the playfulness of, you know, so we, we, he grows the playfulness of a head um, where, you know, would jack you off. If your man ain't no good, come over to, to my neighborhood. We can jump in the sack and I'll jack you off. Right. Um, <laughs> All I have to say is that none of us at the tender young ages that we were should have been listening to any of this. <laughs> I would not let my child listen to this. That's all I have to say. That's very funny. Well, you're, you know, you're a wolf parent because of Prince. Like you listen to it very distinctly because of Prince. Like, you know, but yeah. Yeah, but I grew up in a house where my father was listening to the blues. And if you know anything about the blues, some of those lyrics are sicker than anything Prince ever said. And uh, one time we were driving down south and candy liquor came on. And my father <laughs> tried to change it really quickly. And I looked at him and I said, mm-hmm, don't ever say anything about Prince again. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there, there um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the old music had the tongue-in-cheek comments and everything. It's just that, you know... They listened to that when the kids went to bed. Yes. So, and then they when, how old were you? Do you remember how old you were when that happened? I was, I was um, in my twenties. No, I was in my twenties when that happened. You were in your twenties. Okay. You're yeah. grown. Okay. Yeah. Because um, we were driving, and um, I think I was driving, and he reached over to touch the radio, and I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, don't say anything about Prince, because love it. Yeah. And, you know, so I grew up listening to the blues, so some of those lyrics were, you know, just yeah, as my mother. Day. My mother listened to the blues too when I was like four mm. years old. So I remember that. I also went to a symposium um, in college where the subject was all the raunchy lyrics from, from blues like back in the 20s. And mm-hmm. they were not playing mm-hmm. around. They weren't hinting. They were very, you know. Yeah, Ma Rainey was straight up dirty. Oh, oh I, Ma Rainey was in your face. Yes, very right. clear. Beth, you know, Bessie Smith, like the, that, they were no Very joke. clear. So, you know, and then, then, and as parents, they get shocked and horrified when we're listening to Prince, but it's like, uh-uh, don't try it. <laughs> you know? I so love it. I it's, love it's it. Just a, they have that collective amnesia. Like, you know, right. I would right. never have. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You did, actually. <laughs> My mom used to listen to Millie Jackson. I, I actually got a Millie Jackson record from her house that she still had. And I was like, oh, I remember this from when I was a kid and I took it home. Like, and that. like, she would listen to it you know, and I would be sitting right there. At that time, I was really young, like seven or whatever, seven, eight years old. I had no idea what was going on. But some of the stuff Millie was saying was really bad. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember she like, like, we all, we're all little kids listening to that. Right. Like, what? Right. You know, but you know we also didn't repeat it because we kind of knew this is yes. This is right. the grown-up music. But I remember one time I had written down the lyrics to Wet Dream on a note, like a paper, and I left it in the living room. And my mom was like, what the hell is this? What is, who, are you to, who are you writing about? What is it? I was like, mommy, it's from the Vanity Six album. And she's like, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really understand the difference, but I guess it's right. just a generational thing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, it it was present and it always has been present. And I friends, figure, actually- like, I have friends that are, you know, of course they have children that are either 
younger or teenagers and I have watched them talk about, you know, like putting discipline on. I'm like, do you remember how your mother was? Let me tell you how she was, you know, like they just can't, you know, they can't play that with me because I'm like, yeah. And I think it's like, you know, I understand when you're trying to raise a child and everything, but don't lie to them. <laughs> Cause you did it too. Exactly. And it comes out anyway. It comes out anyway. And, and they, and kids are so funny. They're so perceptive. They catch you. Believe me, I live with a seven and a 10 year old. They catch me all the time. So I'm not even trying to pretend anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I wondered if I could say something real quick about kids. Uh, I don't have any, so I don't have a great uh, knowledge of this, but the first time I went to Paisley Park, I went in a VIP group and there was a group and, and there was a little girl. I mean, she really couldn't have been more than 11. And she knew every prince, or every time we went in the room, she was singing the prince song that the theme of the room was about, Purple Rain Room, she knew every song. And obviously she had been listening to the music with her mom, she was there with her mom and some other women, and yeah, absolutely good parenting. And you know, I turned to my husband and I said, you know, that's what this museum that's what this is for. I mean, we're already in it, so we're we're we've bought into it and we're in. But it, it, children, they're going to be the ones who grow up and who are going to carry a prince's legacy. And it's um, you know, sometimes I do my show and I tell stories about things that every prince fan knows. It's they're not special. But I'm hoping that younger people are tuning in and listening uh, because I don't do it really for us or for me. It's more like I want these shows recorded so that the next generation. It was a big thing of a week or two ago that TikTok um, now has a lot of Prince's music and whether or not he would have liked that, I, I was kind of secretly happy about that because the people on TikTok are very young and if they get exposed to his music, then they'll they'll play it for their kids. And, and that, and just like our parents played music for us that we still listen to. So the, the way to keep the legacy alive is through women play women and men but parents playing this music for their children great point uh rashida coleman was in the chat saying she plays uh songs with her daughter and they have fun and her little daughter doesn't know the dirty lyrics just like we didn't get the dirty lyrics and it's totally fine Mm -hmm. yeah i love it thanks for sharing that rashida all right so 1981 also brings us one of my favorites, uh, Denise Matthews, AKA uh, named Vanity by uh, Prince. They, uh, they date. I did have the picture from Alan Below up here, Robin, but I, I opted for the Rolling Stone cover instead. So uh, my take on Vanity is that, so they're, you know, they meet each other, they were dating and so forth. But my take on Vanity is that the first time that Prince publicly gives us one of his mirrors um, and muses, right? So, you know, behind the scenes, you talk to Jill a lot about her being that voice, right? So um, actually in the Alan Below book, he documents how Vanity really wasn't the greatest singer and Prince got frustrated at times when she was recording because she just, she couldn't hit the notes. Um, But someone like a Jill could. So Jill ended up doing a lot, like she used to be behind the curtain during uh, the 1999 tour um, when Vanity Six was out. 
um, as, as one of the opening acts and Jill would be singing. So to Jill's point earlier, she was actually on their payroll because she was one of their singers. Uh, but needless to say, Prince and Vanity had uh, a very uh, intertwined relationship and there was a love affair there, I'm sure. Um, and he produces, he, he puts her in the group Vanity Six along with Brenda Bennett and Susan Moonsey, um, who I believe he was also dating at one point. And Brenda Bennett was married to Roy Bennett, who used to do lighting, I believe, for Prince. Uh, so he's got his first girl group. Uh, and this is my running joke about, Robin and I talk about the Rick James influence, because my, my take on it, and uh, Lynn, I look at you, because you, you, I know you, you, you go back like this. I think that he got inspired from Vanity, Vanity Six from the Mary Jane Girls. I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree because I was a big Rick James fan before. Me too. I, long before I was a Prince. Yeah. Me too. And me too. So I Vanity, love it. I'm not gonna lie. Vanity Six was a joke to me because I was like, okay, they're cute, but can they can they blow like? Yeah, they, the Mary Jane girls can sing. They can sing. They want. Yes, they can sing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You so, know. So, um, and I see your hand clap. Uh, Go ahead. That was a competitive did they, thing. Did they all sing though? I believe that they had one really good lead singer. And Is that the Wallace? The girls were like Vanity Six girls, kind of. That's what I think. Well, then in the Mary Jane Girls, there was really only one person that could yes. sing. JoJo. She yeah. overdubbed the voice's background. Right. Yeah. JoJo. But it, what, what I'm going to say about the whole Mary Jane versus Vanity Six, I think Prince was kind of trying to some competition. So he's like, I'm going to do Mary Jane Girls too, and it's going to be better than Rick, and it's going to erase his little legacy of, you know, producing other groups. He's like, I could do it too. Right. I think that's what he was trying to do. But the gangster move was that, you know, Vanity was with Rick, right? And so the fact that he could do that with <laughs> Vanity, yeah. I think, was a powerful exactly. statement. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was a slap in the face to, to Rick James, completely. Complete. Yeah, because wasn't she on stage with Rick when he, he met her? That's why, he, like they, like allegedly they met at the American Music Awards backstage. She was backstage, right? She was, backstage, yeah. she was just, but she had performed she with was backstage, Rick that yep, night. Yep. Right, so she had performed with Rick that night. Huh? She performed. No, with him? I think she was just hanging out with Rick. I think like, she was, oh, like, was she hanging, hanging out with. I thought I thought she was like a backup, like a backup dancer or something on Rick stage. Oh, that's what I always thought. I could be wrong. More investigation to do, but I know that she was associated with him in some way. And next thing you know, she's trying on his jacket in the in the parking lot at the American Music Awards. So, uh, you know, uh, I saw two people had their hand up. Clint was one. He spoke. Was there somebody else, Robin, who had their hand up? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, it's Rashida. Hey, Rashida, what's up? What's, what's on your mind about this? Lending back to the Mary Jane girls and saying that, you know, JoJo was the singer. Actually, there was another girl I can't really get her name, but she sued Paula Abdul because it was her voice Corvette. on Paula Abdul's Corvette, right? first album. So there were other singers. It's just that JoJo was the most powerful singer. Mm -hmm. That particular female actually sued Paula in like one because it was her oh, wow. voice on the first Paula Abdul album. Like she went in to do demos and they just put Paula in. So yeah. It was a big thing back then. It was a scandal. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Uh, that story I did not know. 
Yeah, me either. Yeah, I me um, but I think that, well, to, to Lynn's point, he thought Vanity Six was a joke. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, so Vanity for me, Lynn, was very serious. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I love her. That was um, my sister. I love her. I, I, I um, you know, she's, she's the first uh, Black woman. I remember being like, wow, she's so sexy. She's so beautiful. She's so powerful. And no, I probably should. I have my Manny Six record right here. I probably should not have been listening to uh, Wet Dream and, uh, you know, When a Girl Answers, Don't Hang Up. You know, like those probably were not appropriate songs for my uh, six, seven-year-old self um, <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be engaging in. Um, but they were very powerful, right, in the sense that, and they were also like this parallel so he had come up dirty mind wearing his underwear. He wasn't wearing under underwear anymore. He was wearing trench coats, ruffle shirts, uh, close fitting pants. And now he has the women in the underwear, right? They're the ones wearing the camisoles. They're the ones bit pretty much, again, the mirror effect of embodying who he was. Um, and the formation of Vanity Six occurred. And when I was going through it, oops, where's my clicker? So thinking about Nasty Girl as a response to what Prince has been seeking, I was just thinking about, he wrote Nasty Girl and in his head, some way, somehow, it, um, it makes sense that a woman would be the one saying these things. But I was thinking about how it responds to what he's been letting us know over the course of his first four albums. So I look at Uptown and she saw me walking down the street of your fine city. It turned, it kind of turned me on when she said, she looked at me and said, come here. Now I don't usually talk to strangers, but she looks so pretty. What else, what can I lose if I uh, just give her a little ear? What's up little girl? And you know, to counteract that, here's Vandy Sixes. That's right, pleased to meet you. I still won't tell you my name. Don't you believe in mystery? Don't you want to play my game? Then we get on to the another lyric from Do Me Baby. Do Me Baby like you've never done before. Ooh, give it to me till I just can't take no more. And then Vanity Six is, I'm looking for a man to love me like I've never been loved before. I'm looking for a man who will, that will do it anywhere, even on the limousine floor. You know, soft and wet. Hey, lover, I got a sugar cane that I want to lose in you. Baby, can you stand the pain? Hey, lover, sugar, don't you see? There's so many things that you do to me. And uh, Vanity Six is, I guess I'm used to sailors. I think they got water on the brain. I think they got more water upstairs than they got sugar on their candy cane. Um, these lyrics are, you know, Prince has been holding on to this, this side of what women can communicate back to him for all that he's been stating. And I think Nasty Girl coming out as the first foray into hair is what I'm saying when I'm writing for women, is really him responding to what he has been calling upon um, throughout his first few albums. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I have a thought, and then also um, we should uh, speak to Zenzi because she's oh, and Zenzi, so she had her, her But hand I have too. one of the things I definitely want to state about Vanity is that I've always and I've read some things that she said that like she'd be very shy and she was not really that comfortable with that role that she sort of played in Vanity Six. But I always saw that group as being, or at least her being, very empowered. I mean, because you know, I feel like. She was stating, this is, this is what I want. She wasn't like, oh, no, are you going to? No, she was like, this is what I want. 
So let's get to it. And I always thought that was very empowered. And then in her real life, she up and walked out and left Prince. Like, I'm not dealing with your BS and I'm out of here. So I always thought she was such a role model. She was always such a role model to me. And like, mm -hmm. I used, I just thought she was so beautiful, but like also so strong and so like, like complex and like confident. I just loved her. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the parallel there, and I, I want to get to Zen Z's comment. Um, the parallel there, though, is that he's the one, he was the one doing the writing for Vanity Six, Apollonia Six. So it's him, and then they play this role on his behalf, right? And which is why I think she could walk away. Because I don't know if it was really her, right? I think about Little Kim and Biggie, same, pa same dynamic, right? Biggie used to write her rhymes. Not really who she is, but, you know, but but it, it, the same parallel, the same kind of dynamic exists where these male artists embody what they expect or would want women to say to them. So here it is. Uh, Zenzi? Yeah, um, when you were talking about how Prince switched from him wearing the lingerie to the women wearing the lingerie, I remember, you know, I was a fan of Prince since the beginning, but again, I was, you know, probably way younger than, 13. I know that when Morris Day in the Time came out, like I was going through a whole teenage blossoming thing. So they hit me like, man, Morris Day was it for me. And I remember him, not necessarily his first album. I remember his second out their second album where he was talking about, you know, all women in my neighborhood where, you know, camisoles or whatever. So I'm not sure. I mean, I know they all came from the same, you know, they all hung out. But I remember it coming from him in the time, not seeing a visual of it first, because he didn't necessarily, he didn't have women on the stage. So I always wonder about, you know, chicken egg situation. Mm -hmm. um, because, Where did it come from? Right, exactly. You know, they're so close, but, you know, like, did they borrow ideas? Um, when you're talking about uh, Vanity, um, I read, yeah, I, I read a lot about her because I love Vanity. And it wasn't her. You know, it wasn't her at all. I will tell you, um, I am not a religious person <laughs> at all. But after she passed away, I found one of her um, sermons, like, you know, because everybody kept talking about it. I found one of her sermons on YouTube. And I was like, okay, I'll just see what they're talking about. It was a three-hour sermon. I listened to every single second. It was like she had found her place. Yes. She was so, and she's so down to earth and she's so comfortable and she's like, you know, touching people and just like, you know, like there was no celebrity there at all. Like she was where she belonged. And yeah, she totally, I, so, I mean, she talked about somebody who went, you know, I, I don't, again, the Vanity Six was definitely a yeah. persona given to her. The name Vanity given to her. Yeah. Um, you know, not who she, not right. who she was. She was Denise Matthews. And, yeah. and at the end of her life, you know, passed away as Pastor Denise Matthews. Yeah, and really, yeah. I mean, so, she's, I think she's actually one of the most compelling Prince girls in the sense that, what a what a 180 of yeah. life yeah uh, and I, also, I also noticed and maybe i'm getting my timetable wrong um she started out you know really really raunchy and she ended up you know very comfortable in her religion prince kind of did the same thing i don't know if he kept it to the to the last but he got to a point um because i think larry larry graham introduced um yes the, the, the witnesses that's right and so he started going deeper into that and, and not singing, you know, certain words or whatever. I saw so many parallels in their lives. 
even within the time frame that they both passed away. Yeah, exactly. And, and she passed away on the anniversary of few months before he on the anniversary of his mother's passing. I didn't know that. Wow. Oh my god. Passed away on February fifteenth, the same day his mother passed yeah. away. You know, and I just you know I think the term met his match. You know. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Anyone else in the chat, Robin? Um. Well, there's lots of commentary. Oh, please, uh, let's hear it. Huh? Let's hear it. Let's see. Um, you're making me have to read, and <laughs> letters are small, and I'm old. So let me scroll. I would just say, since I'm moderating some of the chat, some of it is about uh, if Rick James was hot, so that you can kind of <laughs> ignore. And some of it is about... James was sexy. Well, he was. You know, He's I, raw. He was. You know, those pants, yeah. man, and that voice. Like, I would not have said no to Rick. But I anyway... I mean, it became a that, joke with the whole Chappelle thing, but Rick James in his prime. In his prime, baby. Yep. Um, street songs. Come on now. So some of that, but some of, uh, some of the t uh, text in here is about like how even uh, when Denise passed, how hard that really did hit Prince. Uh, and it's discussed a little bit in The Beautiful Ones, but also by Dan Pipenbring did his part in the beginning. But also we know it because at those final concerts, you know, he spoke about her and spoke about her very lucidly and very beautifully. And again, I think it goes back to what we were saying before, how what an incredible memory he had for the people in his life. Um, I, I read that book and the things he said about his parents, and mind you, his parents had been dead for a long time, and he remembered them with such clarity and such, his mother with, with such beautiful words. I mean, um, so I, I think uh, the passing of Vanity was something that really, really moved him and upset him and, uh, we saw that happening live, uh, but it's also discussed in The Beautiful Ones. Thank you for that, Kat. So, lay way later down the road. Huh? We veered uh, very vastly from our schedule, just letting you know. I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap <laughs> it up. I think, well, I think what we can continue to do, I do want you to talk about Wendy and Lisa, but I do wanna leave uh, the army here with, the Purple Army here with, uh, just a paradigm for us to think about, and we could definitely revisit this conversation. And this is an excerpt, this, this presentation is actually an excerpt from an article that I am working on. Uh, so uh, Prince has a song called Five Women, which is basically about five women that he uh, basically dated and went through to get over one particular woman. Uh, so I'm using that as the archetype to think about this framing of women. And I really appreciate appreciated what Jill had to say, and I, I'm probably going to revisit this conversation with Ms. Jones, because uh, she alluded to it. Uh, the idea that it, there, are five, there are five prototypes in Prince's world, and this is, now, this is in no way, shape, or form meant to limit who women are and what they could possibly be. Um, the idea, though, is that where Prince is concerned, he does put people into context, Right. I could say the same thing for musicians. If I were to do a paradigm of our own prototypes uh, of musicians who he chooses to or he chose to. He's very, he's very real to me. Who chooses who he chose to um, work with. And within the women, we find mirrors, muses, mavericks, matriarchs and maidens. Um, mirrors, 
Vanity, I think, is the, is the first mirror we are, we are publicly exposed to. But I think Jill was a mirror in some ways as well. Uh, these are the women who reflect him in female embodiment, right? They, in some way, shape, or form, remind him of himself. And then he molds them, creates them, designs them within, the, within that frame. Uh, someone like a Vanity also moves from being a mirror. I'm going to jump to Maverick. Uh, Mavericks are the ones who step out and stand powerfully outside of him, right? Uh, and they don't necessarily, uh, they, they, may, they may begin in a, in a particular prototype, but they don't necessarily end there. I think Sheila E. is a great example of a mirror Maverick, right? She may have been around and like initially when you look at her when she first starts off on the Purple Rain tour, you know, there's, she, she's like a female embodiment of him, you know, wearing the Marie France clothes and the lame and the ruffles and the, and the, and the lace, uh, but now has stepped out into her own, into her own, um, into her own career as a musician. And interestingly enough, now mirrors back to Prince. I think back on the, the, the Grammy piece that they just did, like she was dressed as him, you know, and I was like, okay, wow, that's okay. We've, we've come full circle on that. Um, then there are women who are like the muses, the ones behind the scenes who we may not necessarily know, but he is, he is inspired by. So I think about someone, and Jill mentioned her, um, uh, Anna Garcia, aka Anna Fantastic, and a song like Pink Cashmere, right? He 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 buys he he, buy, he makes her this pink cashmere coat for her birthday, and then writes this amazing love song about a pink cashmere coat, and. If you didn't hear the story about him making the coat, you would never know where this comes from. But she's amused in that sense that she inspired his creativity to, to land in somewhere, land, land in a new place. Matriarchs, I think about women like Mavis Staples, who were like the older women in his world who he brought, who brought, who he brought close to him, um, you know, and in, engaged with them musically uh, and really leaned on them. I think of, of women like Patti LaBelle, who's like a big sister to him, you know, this more matriarchal role where they may collaborate, collaborate with him musically, but there is like a more of a motherly nurturing perspective. And then there are the maidens, right? These virginal women who Prince met at a certain age and he waited, there's a lot of these stories where he waits until they're 18, 19 years old. Maite chronicles this in her book. Um, and uh, he he's inspired by them. So like they're like the ma I, th I think of Maite like a a maiden muse, right? Uh, she, I don't know if she's ever. Uh, I look forward to the day that she truly steps into the maverickness. I don't know if she's there just yet. I think that her life is still very much so tied to his, and that just may be a an agreement as with somebody who you were once married to, uh, but. You know, there there is this dynamic, and I don't think any one woman necessarily fits one particular description. Like you've heard me say, there's the ma the maiden muse, there's the mirror maverick, um, and I have a few different pictures up here of uh, different women. I, I couldn't capture everyone on the first slide and on this one. It's Shaka Khan's another, um, not not a matriarch, but like a big sis type of, you know, someone who you know. But I do think. I do think Shaka was a huge. I think I think Prince was hot for Shaka because Shaka in the seventies was woo, right? So I, I do think there's that element. Oh, Wendy and Lisa, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to Robin, but 
for me, Wendy and Lisa were mirror mavericks. They were the first ones who Prince actually says here, go, go, go rework my music. I trust you to do that. So, um, and Andy Allo, she's another vanity come 360, right? Definitely amused initially, but then leaves, leaves the camp. So uh, Zenzi, I see every hand up. Did you want to make a comment on this? Oh, okay. All right, panelists. Jay and Steve, you're real quiet tonight. Nah, Jump this in, fellas. Like this, women, y'all, there's a, there's a sacred relationship between Prince and women, and I admire that, and I stand back, and I just let you do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause, Thanks. Cause you had a lot to say the other day, Steve. Come on. <laughs> About what, Prince and women? No, no, no. I always said that before. In fact, there was a time with the group we had on BI, they wanted to call it boys. I said, well, you can't have a group celebrating Prince without women because there's a sacred relationship between Prince and women. And it's, and it's very, you know, some people have their like Marvin Gaye, you just said Rick James, but there's something with Prince that's even on a different level than other people who have it. And he just, that's just that bond. I think, who said it? I think um, Nelson George said, Prince was the kind of person, if your woman took her husband to a Prince concert, there's a very good chance that she would not leave that concert with her husband if given the chance, you know what I mean? That's a good statement. Why are you laughing, Robin? <laughs> because it's true. <laughs> There's no shame in my game. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, right. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> correct, Zenzi. The men knew that. That's wisdom right there, Steve. <laughs> That's like my friend Kenyatta. I saw him at, I think, Musicology. I, I ran into him at the concession stand or, or at the bar. And then Prince came, uh, Prince was coming on and he's like, he, I, I ran away and I saw him the next day at work. He was like, I was standing there talking to you. Then every woman around me was gone. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I know that's right, Zenzi. He can put on pumps, makeup, and a pilot's hat. And I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that a little bit, the androgyny and how I always find it fascinating how I just didn't see, I just accepted Prince for who he was no matter what. Whereas I, my mom would like, I would have certain posters, she would see certain pictures and she would say certain phrases and words and things that were very derogatory. Um, but I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, uh, one thing, Little Richard. I'm sorry. Little Richard? Yes. Well, I don't know if my mom, my, I don't know if my mom was into Little Richard. I don't, th I mean, I think she liked his music, but I think she felt the same sort of things about him, <laughs> if you will. I love my mom, but she's old school. That's all I'm going to say. However, I did not ever think of Prince in any kind of way, but a very sexy heterosexual man. I mean, quite the opposite, right? I think he was, oh, I think he was, he, it's the, yes, Rashida's asking the gay question. Yeah, I never, Prince never landed on me as gay at all. 
Yes. He like loved women, like love, love, love women. So a womanizing place, actually. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree, Lynn. Definitely. Definitely alpha male. Yes, to a fault. <laughs> an alpha man here, an alpha male in heels. But yeah. you can an understand. alpha male while also being a fancy lesbian, as Wendy and Lisa would say. <laughs> 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 yes. Definitely. I mean, definitely a fancy lesbian in many ways. I mean, yes. he was he was pressed. I mean, he was he was you know clean and, but there was, he he was he was born in the year of the dog, and acted. <laughs> acted like it at times he did we love him but you know yeah i thank you cat yes we cannot listen to that in public no you cannot yes i was the first time i listened to that i couldn't move for about a good 20 minutes i sat still like wow i couldn't move i literally could not move because that song is crazy Crazy. And raw, raw in its truest sense. Who knew that we were not getting the full version of it in during Graffiti Bridge? I mean, it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster because it's like you think the song is one thing, and then by the end of it, he's like talking to me about like loving myself. Like what, Prince? What? So it just took me on this crazy journey that I wasn't expecting, and I thought I had heard all the versions of that song until I heard that one, and I was just like okay, this is something else. I can see why he decided to take that one down a notch because it's literally too much. Too much. And I think he knew sometimes when he was too much. Well, he said so. When, uh, you know, prior to his passing, they asked him, what would you find in the vault? And he said, you know, a really raw, you know, unedited version of Prince. And I think We Can Fuck is that song that he was referring to. Like, that is the, that's so in your face and definitely for 1984 as a release that would not have flown at all. Tipper Gore would have, Tipper Gore would have dropped dead. Maybe he should have released it. Right off of her neck. Yeah. Like she, she would, her head would have exploded. <laughs> could have handled darling Nikki. Could you imagine that? So Robin, you want to hit us up with, uh, let's move towards Wendy and Lisa. Uh, sure. Okay. Give me a second to get ready. No worries. Do we want to play any of the other sounds? Sound off games in between? Oh, we can do sound off in between. And then, uh, so our first sound off was actually, because this was pretty funny, we're kind of doing it in, in the reverse here. Um, now it would be. Yep. Yes. The first one. So makeup versus Prince's version of makeup versus Fandy Six's version of makeup. Thumbs up for Prince's version. High five for Vanity Six's version. And Robin will play a clip. Okay. Damn, you guys haven't even heard it yet. Really, Clinton and Kat? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to share my screen. I already okay. know. I've had this One second, I'm going I'm to stop sharing. Okay. Go ahead, Robin. Okay. Okay, are we ready? Go for it. Hush. 
Stop sharing your screen, Robin, so we can see what's up. Okay. It looks like uh, it looks like Prince got this. Yeah, I'm Prince's seeing version of makeup. Up. Yeah, I'm seeing mostly thumbs up. Yeah. All right. Damon, Damon went with Vandy Six. Wow. Okay, tell us why. You have to tell us why. I'm yeah, because you're the only you're the only one, Damon. <laughs> you're the only one. Because because nine times out of ten, I actually love Prince's versions over other people's versions, even of the glamorous life, right? Um, but I think that this particular song just sounds better coming from uh, from Susan. It's just my preference. Okay. I think you just love Susan. <laughs> You know, I like me some Susan. I can tell. <laughs> no, we love Susan. Susan Moon. Susan Moonsey, another one, another another unsung one. So I want. Yeah. I have to tell them. So Maury was trying very hard to get Susan Moonsey on the show as well, and she had succeeded in that. She was going to keep it a surprise for me, but we decided that uh, it was probably better that she did tell me that she was working on this ahead of time, so that I wouldn't have had a heart attack and died. So that's right. I am working I, and I'm still working on Susan Lucy. Yeah, because she is definitely one of my unsung heroes as well. And we just never hear from her anymore. So I would have just been like, oh, we will. And if I have to go down to Trinidad and find her in South, I will. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make this connection work. Yes. So I will more go to come, more to come on that. So we, we can have the whole performance stand with us that we will get Susan Lucy. Okay. It's, it's, it is very, so she's one degree of separation away. All right. I could do this. You can do it. I okay. could do this. So right. are we now? Yeah, we're heading to Wendy and Lisa. All right. Um, let me just. 
I'm very excited to present this to you guys. Just give me a moment. Um, okay, so share screen. I talk when I work, so I will be narrating <laughs> my transition to pulling up this um, PowerPoint thing for you. Okay, so hold on. Okay, and then share. Version of screen. Hold on. Oh, I forgot to do. Okie dokie. So can everyone see the screen okay? Yes? Okay. Um, alrighty then. So I think every Prince fan, especially the OG Prince fans, know what I'm talking about when I speak of that certain feeling that certain Prince songs invoke. You know, I sort of describe it as the fuzzy, dreamy, warm, lush sweetness that starts at your toes and quickly encompasses your whole being. The experience is of suddenly swimming in a kind of kaleidoscopic musical ecstasy. That feeling. So, what is the feeling? In Arabic, the word is tarab. The literal translation of tarab is an a state of intense joy. My daughter defines songs that make her feel this way as wishing dreams music. Now, where am I going with this? Let's just say um, in pr preparation for our first episode today, I posted a poll on the Prince Living Legend and the New York Prince fan group pages on Facebook, asking Prince fans who their all-time favorite associated female artists and protégés were. Wendy and Lisa were the top choice with 96 votes. Much to my delight and surprise, they respondents overwhelmingly named Wendy and Lisa as their top choice. I was surprised, not because they aren't deserving, but because I've always felt they didn't, don't get the full recognition they deserve for their contributions to Prince's work. For me personally, the collaboration of guitarist Wendy Melvoin, keyboardist Lisa Coleman, and Prince Rogers Nelson is an incontestable merge of extraordinary talent, creativity, and magic that was a musical Big Bang of sorts. It is my belief that Prince wasn't just a teacher and mentor to Wendy and Lisa, as is the popular notion, but that they played the role of student and teacher with each other interchangeably. In 2017, during an interview with Esquire magazine, Lisa stated that she and Prince connected over their love of Joni Mitchell, Sly and the Family Stone, Santana, Stevie Wonder, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. She said, it was really fun fun to explore music with Prince because there were a lot of things I knew that he didn't know. So I started turning him on to classical music and he discovered Bolero by Ravel. I remember coming home and he was sitting there intensely listening with the Bolero record on. He was like, this is insane. Have you heard this before? He was always on fire and if you played him something new, it was just the most exciting thing in the world. It made you on fire and ready down to burn down the world. For me, they constantly pushed and pulled each other to break new ground. 
It was this mutual exchange that led the trio to fearlessly create a sound that was, at times, unlike anything ever heard before, at least to me. It was cosmic, weird, and delicious. I mean, I wonder you, what is that? It's as almost as if they internalized every one of their inspirations and the output set us all ablaze, as was their plan. So a, friend, a few years ago, a friend of mine, and that friend actually is Damon, who's on the panel, sent me the unreleased track Splash and Adonis and Bathsheba. As I listened in the middle of my dining room, I was teleported back to 1986 and straight into that wishing dreams tatab headspace. I was carried, floating along with the sweeping string lines of the amazing Claire Fisher and Lisa's piano arrangements, the siren-esque vocals of the ladies and the emotional pull of those gorgeous, sexy-ass lyrics. And there it was, the feeling. It was almost like hearing all my dreams again for the first time. It was magical. So now I'm gonna play a little bit of Splash for you just cause I'm gonna do that. <laughs> that song for you 50 billion times if I could, <laughs> but you get the idea. In the, 19, in the April 1986 interview with Rolling Stone, a 22-year-old Wendy proclaimed the following, I'm sorry, but no one can come close to what the three of us have together when we're playing in the studio. Nobody. And while the mid-80s period was definitely not the end-all be-all of Prince's career, the magnitude of the work from this period is undeniable, and Wendy and Lisa were a major contributing factor. There is no question in my mind that this is why they are placed right by Prince's side on the Wall of Influence mural at Paisley Park. Prince knew it too. And then there were the siblings, Jonathan Melvoin and David Coleman, who contributed to Around the World in a Day. The touches of Middle Eastern and Indian musical influence and instruments were brought in by Lisa's brother, David. Truth be told, the first time my young ears ever heard any of those instruments and sounds was on Around the World in a Day. I eventually became interested in Middle Eastern music and dance, and I guess I have David to thank. And let's not forget Susanna Melvoin. I love Susanna. Susanna is Wendy's twin sister and singer who, lent her who lend lended her musical talent and vocals to much of the music of that time period as well. She was the co-lead singer of one of my all-time favorite protege bands, The Family, and Prince wrote some of his most beautiful music for and about Susanna. 
Okay. So the morning I woke up and I heard that the revolution was breaking up. <laughs> Moore's laughing at me. <laughs> was breaking up. I wore a black armband to school. Yes, I did. I was a melodramatic kid, yes, but I knew something very unique and very special had ended. The fact is, once Wendy and Lisa left the fold, there was something distinctly missing from Prince's music. There, I said it, okay? I have no shame in my game, as I said. There's something different, something was missing. I know I'm not the only OG Prince fan that feels this way. We just don't talk about it much. But if you have any doubts about their prowess, just listening, listen to the original Dream Factory tracks with Lisa's amazing piano solo on the song Visions, for example. And I mean, just the whole rest of that album. That is a Prince, Wendy, and Lisa album. If you listen to Wendy and Lisa's solo work and you don't concur, listen again or fight me. Now, that's not to say I didn't like or love the music that Prince did after that, or I, that I never experienced the feeling again after that period. That's not true at all. I remained a diehard, obviously. Prince went in new directions and I willingly followed. The 90s ushered in a fun and amazing era with albums like the Batman soundtrack, the Symbol album, Come, Emancipation, I could go on. And those are today still one of my favorites, among my favorites, all of them. <laughs> However, I will still argue that Wendy and Lisa added a special sauce to Prince's work that I genuinely missed at times. I often wondered what it would be like if they truly reunited with Prince, not just as special guests or a few performances as they eventually did, but as the true collaborators they once were. Luckily though, there was the treat of their solo albums. The work on Eroica, or as Sammy told me that it's not pronounced Eroica, it's pronounced Eroica, Beethoven, uh, that's where they got the name. And Girl Brothers is as solid as anything Prince was doing during those same years. If you have not listened to those solo efforts, please, please do yourself a favor and seek them out. After Prince left this earthly realm, I remember hearing Wendy say in an interview, we went to the moon with this guy. They did, and we did too, but it was a big bowl of cherry moons, and I'm thankful. The end. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this is why you're one of my best friends, Robin. <laughs> that was fabulous. Thank you, darling. That was amazing. <laughs> um, so I especially... I, 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 I'm good at that. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> She's a Virgo. Just, we established this. Oh, yes. Lord. I'm a marketing and branding expert. That is what I do for a living. We were, I was really referring to the content, not the presentation, but okay. The presentation was fantastic too, if you want to know, but the content was really, well, well, good Lord. Thank you for capturing Wendy and Lisa so well. And you did a good job of putting it together. Thank you. Good Lord. <laughs> Gonna let her know. Everybody give Robin a thumbs up. She's waiting for your approval of her presentation. Don't worry about My the comment. Oh. There you go. Baron's giving you a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. No, but seriously, though, I am actually quite passionate about Wendy and Lisa, and I was really thrilled to see that people had voted for them unanimously, pretty much. Um, all the other people, I think um, Sheila was after Wendy and Lisa, but she had 35 votes. Um, I can't remember the count, but they... People overwhelmingly seem to think that Wendy and Lisa were the bee's knees, as I do. So I was very happy. 
definitely among his strongest musical collaborators. There's no oh, doubt definitely. about that. And I, do and I don't think that, I mean that he ever trusts anybody else like that ever again to like take his music and, you know, go not forward. That we know of. Not that we I know actually, of. I wanted to Besides talk. Besides Claire Fisher. Claire Fisher, yes, with, with strings, but aside yeah, from that. But still, he gave it blind. Yeah. Um, You're right. Claire Fisher, that's it. Who he yeah. never met. That's crazy, right? Huh? Who he, he never met Claire Fisher. They never met? And he never oh, met Claire Fisher. When Claire Fisher passed he, he away, never, he never met him. I meet him. He never That's met him. Star, I didn't know that. See the, the tape. Sure. So I actually, one of the reasons why I asked Damon to be on this panel is that I know he is like he knows about as much about Wendy and Lisa as he knows about Prince, which is way more than I do, and I actually know a lot. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted him to talk about Wendy and Lisa and how he feels about their influence and what he thinks about just the overall. I mean, what do you think about what I said? Basically, that once they left, there was something that was very different and just not being able to fully get that full experience anymore. They always felt like there was something that was not complete at times. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, what, I mean, for me and for, for you and I, at least, you know, I think, um, I think Wendy and Lisa, to his music, um, they introduced him to so many different kinds of music and influences um, that, uh, that completely changed his outlook on music, right? Um, you know, to the point, it's, it's already been stated that, you know, they were some of the only people that he trusted with his music, that he would just give them the tapes or say, go mess with this let me see what comes out of it, right? And his music, the, those were his babies. Um, and he gave them carte blanche, you know, roll over, you know, adding things to it and, and, and mixing with the mix. And, um, and the only people he ever did that with was Peggy Mack, Susan Rogers, Wendy Lisa and Susanna really, right? And Claire Fisher. That's it. All the other women, it seems that were in his, she could pour himself into. Um, and kind of give them music, and they pretty much followed it. You listen to, you know, his versions of the execution of what he laid down for the uh, vocal tracks, right? For the track. So, um, uh, you know, Wendy and Lisa definitely brought uh, something different that no one else had. And I think what's really interesting about their relationship is that, of course, Susanna was a part of that, um, and then they had the romantic relationship. So that period from 83 to like 86, that's when they created all this incredible music. And then he became engaged to Susanna, I think in 85, late 85. And then, you know, around 86 is when the dissolution of the revolution happened. And so, you know, during that period, you have all this incredible music in which Prince was pushing his boundaries, coming up with uh, different different sounds, experimenting with different sounds and instruments. You know, you have the, the, the masterpiece of All My Dreams. You have songs like Hello. You have songs like Go. You have songs like Sexual Suicide, No Light in a Large Room. And all those are these incredible collaborations with Wendy and Lisa. Um, and you know, Robin, you talk about the sound that they kind of bring to his music. And, you know, you really have to spend time with their solo material. You'll music i don't think it's things that they took from prince's music i think it's things that they it's their sound that he kind of 
appropriated and added to his that came up with the power fantastic or sometimes it snows in April. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm all on board with Wendy and Lisa being probably the most influential collaborators that he's had uh, during his musical, um, uh, you know, uh, he, you know, for his entire legacy. And to me, the strongest period of creation that, that Prince has had was between 83 and 86. I don't know if I, folks agree with me. No, I agree with you, Damon. 100%. I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, it's, 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 Prince is so unique, I know, in my world, because he's somebody, I've been following Prince since I was like eight years old. I'm not going to date myself, because I think I look good for my age, but you know, yep. it's like, it's been a long time. <laughs> and it's to see the evolution of someone's career grow. Um, and I think also with the time period in which you fall in love with someone. Right, the revolution was that band for me. They made me practice the piano. You know, they, they, were, they were the ones who I remember convincing my mom to buy the Purple Rain sound book and like teaching myself the beautiful ones. Can I play it now? No, I cannot. But I at that play, time, I had that sound book too, and I can play, I can still play on the keyboard. I would die for like four notes if I'm done. <laughs> but at that time, I remember being inspired and wanting to like, you know, be in that zone. And a couple of years ago, when I had a chance to meet the revolution in San Diego, I was nine again. You know, that was, it, it's amazing, the, the influence and impact. And I think that the, the special thing about Prince fans, and I, I love your comment, Kat, earlier about the role of children and them paying it forward, is that, yeah, the, for us, us fans who have been along this long journey with Prince, you know, we know the story. Um, and for the story to continue, it's great that, you know, Robin and I are putting forth the, the Prince paradigm but it's really for the youth to take it up um, and take it forward because when we're gone, like the, for, for it to continue, there's gonna have to be somebody paying attention to what Prince was doing. And I think Wendy and Lisa offer just a whole, a whole different sound, a whole, you know, the, the harmonies and the, the heart that they offered and brought into his music. Just, I mean, all my dreams. I mean, that is just like, that just it's beautiful and I think that it's a staple of who they are and what they contribute and you hear it in within their own music because whether it's at Fruit of the Bottom or even the first Wendy and Lisa album um, or even Eroica which I think is their masterpiece uh, they're you know they're great songs on Girl Brothers as well but Eroica to me is like if you don't if you choose one Wendy and Lisa album to check out do check out Eroica because I think that that is a um, that's a game changer and I think it really, they really, they, they, they came into a space where they were really showing up powerfully what made Prince, what made Prince see them. Uh, and they, they completely, and like, I know we're going to do a sound off with them, but Skeleton Key, Stop Playing, Mother of Pearl, Staring at the Sun. I mean, these are just powerful songs that are truly uh, indicator of, I don't know if there's another Prince collaborator who ever went there. Like they went there um, in their own individual work that really just speaks to like a whole level of understanding of songwriting um, and musicianship. Clint, you have your hand up. Yeah. Um, regarding uh, Wendy and Lisa's input into his legacy, um, they definitely, if you, if you listen, let's say from his first album, you know, that's almost all print. And then from 
uh, the, 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 around the world in the day, you know, till parade, they added a little bit of class in there because there was a little bit of classical. There was a little bit of that je ne sais quoi, as people like to say. But, you know, it's like they were teaching him all these other uh, 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 genres, I guess you could say. Uh, and he was taking it in. And then he kind of held on to that when they uh, disbanded. It's awesome. You could see the change from when Lisa and Wendy became a thing in the group. Because I'm not going to count Poor Rain because Poor Rain was pretty much done. And Lisa came in and Wendy, I mean, sorry, not Lisa. Wendy came and was added to the group. And I don't think she much put in there as much as she did in Around the World in the Day. And then, you know, if you look at the vault and all 1986 recording, forget it. That, that's all leading went almost. Especially uh, All My Dreams, as we've been mentioning throughout this whole thing. And um, Carousel, which was uh, Lisa's song that Prince made into his own song. Uh, what was it called? Power Fantastic. Oh. Yeah, because that was originally that's a, a Lisa song. Yeah, and that's a great point, Clint. I would also add that you know, for Purple Rain, yeah, creatively, Wendy and Lisa didn't have much to do, but that was really the first time that Prince was openly collaborating. And uh, you know, what four of those tracks or three on that album are, are live recordings, right? With the band actually pull on the record. And then of course they touch them up afterwards. Um, but but Robin, to your point, visions the uh, the introductory track, um, the intro uh, for Dream Factory. Um, that's entirely Lisa's composition. When was the last time that he said, "Hey, I'm gonna take this and not touch it or whatever"? Now, uh, you know, granted he didn't ever release it, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's powerful. Yeah. So, Maury, do you want to do the last sound off? Last, last sound off is a Wendy and Lisa sound off. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to share it again. Sure, I'll share. Share. Oh. Oh. Did I just <laughs> swipe? You sure did. <laughs> Let me, let, me, let me do it first. <laughs> <laughs> One second. Let's find out what the sound off is. All right. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Oops. You want to unshare now? Oh, wait. Share screen. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to just unshare you. I'm going to just knock you out the way. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. I jumped the gun. Okay. So our last sound off are our girls, Wendy and Lisa. Thumbs up for Are You My Baby? High five for Skeleton Key. And Robin, you can, you can bump me. Okay. All right. Thank you.
Sorry that I had to end those. But... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, those really hurt. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to unshare. Yeah, so we can see. Okay. Yeah, unestimating the parents in our in our chat room. <laughs> David. Um, <laughs> okay, so that was a uh, high five for Skeleton Key. Thumbs up for Are You My Baby. Skeleton Key. That's some claps. <laughs> oh, those are high five. Are those high fives? I thought those were claps, actually. <laughs> claps, well, I call them high fives. Let's see, one, two, three, four. What are the five fingers say to the face? Okay, it's up there. It's a hand. Yeah, it's hard to count these. <laughs> yeah, because they know they don't stay up long. Yeah, so it's hard I'm to... I'm learning like, that about reactions. I'm like, because they're, they're like a momentary reaction. Yeah. It's kind of thin across the room. Huh? Kind of even across the room. Yeah. Maybe next time we should do this as a poll. We can get the poll up. <laughs> work out the <laughs> difficulties. Not, not, that wasn't too bad. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I think it's a kind of a tie. Yeah. They're both amazing songs. How could you really? Are you my baby's awesome? Right. So, so Robin, you want to tell us what's going on the next time? Do you have that up? Do you have that um, graphic? Uh, yes, I will have to reshare my screen. 
but yes. I have it available. So we want to just thank everyone who hung out with us all night. I know we went over time and much love to uh, everyone who was here and left. And for those of you who are still here, we are doing this again uh, next month. Our goal is to always uh, show up on the seventh of the month at seven o'clock with an awesome Prince topic, keeping his legacy alive. So uh, next month, Robin's pulling up uh, the... Yes, should I share? Yeah, please, go ahead. Well done, okay. Thank you, Rashida. Thank you, P. Weiss. <laughs> I, I'm working on Susan Moonsey. I am working on it. If you get Susan Moonsey, I'm really going to... tell you something. I'm a Trinidadian. Like, that would be like my... That's like, I, could, I know how to make curry, and I, I can get Susan Moonsey. I can make this happen. <laughs> yeah, wait, okay. So share screen. Here we are. Bam! <laughs> All right. So the, par the Prince Paradigm, Conversations and Revelations in a Post-Prince World. Episode two is called Blackity Black and Woke AF. Uh, this episode of the Prince Paradigm explores Prince's evolution as a revolutionary African-American artist who used his platform to awaken, transform, and heal. As usual, Robin and I will be hosting with our amazing panelists, and we're going to come up with another surprise guest. We'll see. It's a surprise right now because, you know, we're still surprising ourselves <laughs> oh, no. about who it's going to be, but this is going to happen. Um, that's right, Rashida. Hurry with some bust up. You know, I know what to do. Um, so I hope that you get to join us. The Eventbrite is live, Robin. No, it is not, but it will be tomorrow. But it will be the same address, purpleparadigm at eventbrite.com. Um, and yes, I just also want to thank our panelists for jumping in and being part of this with us. Um, like I said, they've known us for almost our whole Prince lives, and it was really awesome to share the stage with them. Um, and unfortunately, since we can't all do these things together in person, it's we tried to make it as fun and interactive as we could for you virtually. Um, so yeah, I, hope, we, I hope everybody yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, Robin. No, I just hope everyone ha enjoyed it and got some some insight and inspiration and all that good stuff. Um, and just we'll see you hopefully next month but don't go away because katarina dj raspberry is gonna play us out with some songs for the next maybe half hour or so however long you want to hang out and listen to songs um and yeah i just want to oh, say one thing robin just to throw it out to the purple army mm -hmm. so you know robin mentioned that having it be interactive and having your voice in this was very important if you know that you, if a topic shows up in the Prince Paradigm and you feel like you want to show your Prince knowledge and share it with us, just reach out to us and we will gladly figure out a way we can incorporate. We really want, this is about the fans and the people and, and the, the Prince fans and the Purple Army uh, and uh, for those of us who just really love him. Uh, this is not about Robin and I. We are we're doing this as a voice so that people who love him and love to talk about him and the conversation tonight was made great because of your contribution. So uh, next month is about, you know, princess protests. If you got something to say, let us know. And we can figure out, you know, if we can do an activity or a game or have you present. We're open to that as well. So please do reach out. It's an open forum. Okay, wait, one more, one more thing. I yep. just want to mention the, what the theme of next month's um, show is going to be about is because I personally everything going on in the world has obviously affected us all in some way or another. Um, I sometimes wonder what Prince would think about what was going on, what he would say, what he would be doing. Um, also too, I, 
am very concerned about Prince being whitewashed and people maybe downplaying his activism as a African-American man. Um, and one thing I will definitely say is that when I went to Paisley Park, I was like truly inspired to see that this poor black kid from Minnesota built this entire thing for himself and he's now like gone, but we get to share in it. And I just want to make sure that like, I do everything to I can to preserve all the parts of him, not just the purple rain parts, but the blackity black part as well. So that's kind of why we came up with this theme and we hope that you will join us and enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thank you for somebody. I can't see who it is. Uh, let me scroll up a little bit. Is that Marilyn? Uh, oh, wait, I thought, can I see? About, it? About, yeah, so our events are free. Um, yeah, we can think about what that looks like. I love that idea of donating, uh, creating, doing a fundraiser while we're on to donate to a charity. Definitely, I'm open to that. We can talk some more about that. Um, yeah, we're trying, we're trying to keep these uh, free because... He, put, he would want it that way. Yeah, he, <laughs> he would. He would want it that way. That we we think, like, would Prince sue us if, like, he was here? He probably would sue us anyway, but he'd definitely sue us if we were doing it for money. So there you no, go. No, we're not doing it for money. No, this, is, this is about the love of Prince. Um, yeah. His lawyers, his lawyers would sue us, and then he would watch the show, and he'd feel bad, <laughs> and then he'd stop suing us. There you go. There you go. There you go. He'd stop suing eventually. Oh, Lord. We, we love him anyway. Now you got me thinking, is they going to sue us? Paisley Park going to sue us? But we are, we have I do have a disclaimer. On the main, on the main I know, I saw it. There's a disclaimer. <laughs> it's America. We have freedom of speech. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, we'll, we'll, so, we have, so we have some ideas floating in the chat. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, please do, Maxine. Please do recruit some more UK people. You know, this, this is, this is, because what we, we've been going to a lot of forums for Prince and there's a lot of talk at you. We want to get the people involved. That's the, that's the whole point of this. And that's why Zoom is a great platform for us to do it on until we get to see each other in person. Then I'll come up with some real games and activities <laughs> that we can do. That's Rachel's around. department. <laughs> that's Rachel's department. Exactly. All right. So Kat, the floor is yours, sis. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. Be safe. Guys, well. I'm going to play you to your pajamas. So go put your pajamas on. <laughs> leave the computer on. I'm going to go to the bathroom and make a Go to the bathroom, too. All right, I'm going <laughs> to share my screen. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh Robin. Oh, well, Kat, you can bump her. Yeah, you okay. can take me off. I think so. Let me see. All right, there we go. All right, guys, have a great night.